Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello there. Hello, Kyle. But look, people Hi. are sick of us. They know what we're all about. But what if we brought in some special, unique voices like JV Gwaltney, returning champion? Hi, everyone. Whoa. Welcome, JV. It's been a while. I guess you were on the deepest dive talking about the thing, but even that feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, that was like what November, December. That was like that was last year, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> no one's quite sure. Time doesn't matter anymore. It's yeah. all yeah. gone. It's but been I, four years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm still amazed, JV. You are very consistent for a couple things. First of all, apparently playing 3,000 hours of Phasmophobia and tweeting out just constant clips uh, of your experiences, and also just you play so many games. You put us to shame. Like, you're not regularly on a gaming podcast, but you play 10 times the amount of games as anybody else in the industry. I'm just flabbergasted with how many you get through. Fun. Yeah. It's not like we have that much else going on anyway. Yeah, you know what? I should be out of excuses. You're right. But that's not all. It's JV. He's here. We're happy to have him. But we're also joined by a very special guest, Sarah Elmale. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah, <laughs> thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, voice actor extraordinaire, uh, voice work consultant. What other labels would you like to put on yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, labor advocate. And yeah, uh, that's a good one. Consultant, which sometimes leads to directing and voice producing. So that's a thing. Um, but yeah, mainly known for acting, I suppose. Perfect. I'm trying to remember how this whole thing got intertwined. Um, I think you tweeted out like the museum video we did. Is that right? Yes. I okay. loved it. Oh, thank you. I loved it very much. Um, big museum fan. Big fan of games in museums and museums in games. Yeah, it's all really Both. good. Yeah, so then I think we started DMing and it's like, oh, it'd be great to have you on sometime if there's anything you want to talk about. And you said, I mean, I'd love to talk about Mass Effect if that ever comes up. And then this week it came <laughs> up in a big way. So it's the perfect <laughs> this opportunity. This is not staged. I didn't just like find this and put it on my yeah. wall for the purpose of this podcast it's just always there art. oh is that garris it's garris well yes another garris fan yes <laughs> we finally found one. this really? a birthday or something and we're not together anymore but we are <laughs> always garris is eternal um yeah. <laughs> uh people might recognize your voice from a lot of things um as katie and gone home the mm -hmm. player's voice in, Hi, in Anthem, which is awesome. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons you're in recently. Uh, you were Lizzie in Gears 5. You're an after party. And this is the part that I'm fascinated by about your career. There's mm. a lot of fascinating things. And we'll get to community questions later on. People have questions. But I am okay. always fascinated by the part in Voice Actors IMDb pages where it just says additional voices. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. for you, it's like Miles Morales, Last of Us Part 2, mm -hmm. Final Fantasy 15. What does that mean? Is that just like you go into a studio one day and they're like, uh, you're a little girl, uh, you're a 90 year old man and just rapid fire through these things? Final Fantasy was especially like that. That was probably like the most additional voices um, that I've done where I was like, what are we doing? And they were like, they was like yeah, mom, like there's a there's someone who's I was very whiny in that game, as I recall. I was like a mom who's trying to like deal with like eat your fish. And then there was another that was like, why is the put what's all this about the port closing, um, which became kind of like a a meme joke among uh, a, a charity stream that I do every year, which is actually coming up this year. Um, give, it a, give it a plug. But, um, what is it? Yeah. Chocobo. Chocobo. We always, in the past, we would play through an entire final, final fantasy in one weekend without stopping, which takes, which is just really grueling. And oh we are God. now older. So we're doing like a more reasonable shift <laughs> this weekend. And I think we're playing, we're playing a Mario of some sort. It's it's not a Final Fantasy this time, but um, but we always all the donations that we do and we'll do do donation incentives, especially like sketches and things and whatnot, um, go to a different charity. And this year it's the Bale Project. Oh, nice. Mm. 
Um, yeah, if you ever want a recommendation for a shorter Final Fantasy you could get through, may I recommend uh, the Dirty Dirge itself, Dirge of Cerberus, Final Fantasy VII. Have you played Ooh. that one? The weird option? I actually have. And what? I have not played. Yeah, I have. Yeah. When it came out, I was like, ooh, Vampire Boy. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, and that was when I discovered that Mae Whitman is is Yuffie, I think. Is that true? Uh, I don't know the actress name, but maybe. Mae Whitman is Anne from Arrested Development. Ma- yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe. Right. Really? Whit- oh, that's right. Okay, okay. Well, no, maybe her? it's just Anne. Maybe no. is oh. yeah, her, Anne. Right. Anne is Anne, her. Um, and also, she's also a, um, Katara. Is that from Korra? Or from Avatar? Avatar, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's amazing to go through Square's casting because they're all over the place. But I always go back for the most bizarre example is in Kingdom Hearts, was it one and two, where Sephiroth was voiced by Lance Bass? I still <laughs> yeah. can't get over that weird thing that happened. And Haley Joel Osment. That's Sweet right. Haley Joel Osment. The King of We tried to get him on our stream for the, for the king, when we did Kingdom Hearts. It did not work. <laughs> really? You're not able to pull yeah. just every actor in? I imagine there's just a cool No, I like wrote his agent. And I was like, excuse me. It's for charity. And that one responded to me. <laughs> he doesn't okay. believe in charity. Leave him alone. Yeah. Um, hey, we should probably talk about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was revealed before, but now details are flooding out from EA here. This is the Ooh. remaster of all three games, uh, single player only, um, but it's coming out May 14th, it turns out. Uh, JV, you are a madman who has played Mass Effect 2 how many times now? Uh, I don't know. Not as much as I've played Wolfenstein, but that's just because Wolfenstein's mm. like 10 hours. Uh, mm. I think I've probably played... Mass Effect 2, probably 22, 23 times. Are you serious? Yeah. I love that game. It's my favorite game of all time. Wow. That yeah. is absurd. Okay. I mean, like That's 10 of those times were in 2010 when the game came out and I had nothing else to do in college. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's in the 20s I've played that game. That's absurd. Okay, so when you're watching this trailer, when you're digesting facts about Legendary Edition, what stands out for you? Um, I mean, it looks better. Uh, got I guess I think the most notable... It feels like most of the enhancements are going to the first one, though. Right. Which That's the game that needs it the most, and I get it. Especially, I cannot wait, because it sounds like they're going to fix the cover thing, because I don't know if anyone has played the original Mass Effect recently, but it has the auto cover, where you get close oh. to cover, and your character's supposed to like stick to it. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and it was 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. and that wasn't great. Uh, so the fact that they're going to like turn that into a button... Is what I'm probably most excited for, but also just being able to play it on my PS5 and stuff like the whole trilogy. Yeah, um, so the whole thing's running mm-hmm. at 4K60 uh, with targeted enhancements for the current gen. A very specific wording there. So it's not like it's built from the ground to take full advantage of the a new lot systems. Of lens flare. But, so much lens flare. Which was funny. I saw like the Mass Effect Reddit because everybody's freaking about the lens flare that is in the game that they're showing off in screenshots for the comparison stuff. And the Reddit's like, what the hell? They had lens flare in the original. Like, you're not giving the originals their due because they were lens flaring before J.J. Abrams was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so reworking Mass Effect 1, um, I'm still a little bit confused about how much they're overhauling combat. So they say that they're adding aim assist they have a zoom snap that will flick your this focus onto a me. target. I've seen the trailer and nothing else. Oh, is perfect. Okay, great, great, great. Yeah. Um, you can flick your focus onto a target while aiming, but I'm still trying to figure out, and JV, you've probably played Mass Effect 1 more recently than I have, but it, it's still like a dice roll with every shot, right? From what I recall. So do you know if they're reworking it's it to that it. level of making it actually matter where you're shooting in a big way? Uh, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but what I would do when I played through the game was just turn it down to easy. 
yeah. so that it kind of removed the dice roll thing where it played more like a tr- traditional shooter or casual. I'm sorry. I think that's the official <laughs> like difficulty title. Yeah, be cool, uh, man. But yeah, um, it seems like that would be the most natural way to go because that game... Like, the shooting parts of that game aren't fun when they're really tied up in the RPG, like, oh, it's a dice roll, are we going to hit or not? I don't think anyone necessarily wants that, but I could I mean, be wrong. The beginning it's, of that game the, is pretty grueling, yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. You I mean, get it's decent. the one I'm most interested in, in playing of the trilogy. And, it, like, so I was reading up on it, and it does seem like they're not making as many changes as you would hope, as I would hope. Mm, right. Like, which, on the one hand, I get it, like, maintain the sort of the original game, that's important. But I would have liked, yeah, I would have liked to see it sort of be overhauled, overhauled a little more. So I, I, would, I would caution you to like fall on the side of that they're not going to change it too much. You know what I mean? Mm, right. it, it looks like they've removed some of that UI stuff. Like they've tried to make it less busy because they have one shot on, I think it's Farron or whatever the uh, colonist planet is where you're in the Mako and they did a side by side and like the original UI is just all over the place with like ammo counters and this and that. And then in the remastered one, it's just a picture of the Mako and the help oh, for good. the Mako hmm. uh, for the UI. So it seems like they're trying to make it less busy. Yeah, um, that's nice. Yeah, yeah I guess they're reworking. Yeah, they're reworking the Mako controls as well, which I'm sure fans are going to be outraged about. But you know what? I love that wonky thing. <laughs> I, I love the Mako. It. Oh, it's good. So- <laughs> yeah. What? It's so much fun <laughs> just to like treat that. What thing a hipster ass opinion! It's just like you just have to like <laughs> suspend your disbelief and not imagine that you're actually in a vehicle in the Mass Effect universe. Like every time you're in the Mako, it's like now I'm just playing some weird janky indie game, and I'm all for it. Just for this, it, little it is stretch very out. much. It controls like a vehicle in an early access game for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sarah, what stood out to you from the from the trailer? I mean, gosh, what stood out to me? You know, maybe it's just that, like, I didn't pay enough attention to notice all the beautiful differences. I just got so excited. And honestly, like, I the thing that I was thinking about most today going into this was, I don't know if you saw Jennifer Hale's tweet yeah. for reaction, which just, like, ah, just, I don't know, like, sort of through this, like, empathic tether, I was just, like, so <laughs> overwhelmed with her. She's just, it was just so exciting. So, I don't know. I think just... um. That maybe that's what stood out to me the most, that it meant so much to her to be featured as FemShep in the trailer when there was this, you know, at the time that it came out, everyone was like, FemShep is really, really resonating with people and she doesn't really have a presence in the marketing materials. And I think a lot about the fact that I am so grateful and lucky to have been featured in the marketing for their for Anthem. Yeah, it was that, that Caroline Livingstone, who's their amazing director and voice, you know, casting person, like really, um, helped to make that happen that it got to be me um when it was like a controversial thing to put the women in the mirror you know so like it's the fact that it yeah that she that she did so much that i stand on incredible shoulders that she sprint i mean it's like stilly to say that jennifer hale walked so i could run she sprinted so i could crawl but whatever it's like (laughs) you know she uh, yeah i don't know just her contribution as a performance and as a character is so important and cherished that like seeing it hit with her and seeing it in this in this thing which is just sort of as like a marker of how we remember this trilogy like when right. you do this remaster it's like what do you miss what do you what do you want what do you want to see so that's yeah. what I, I don't know that's what i took yeah from and they, they took- it does feel like a bit of justice because i remember back in 2012 like all the marketing stuff a lot of it at least featuring like uh the male shepherd mm-hmm. and everyone was just kind of like really because like female shepherd's voice line or jennifer hale's work is so good like i just it's just so much like 
not to crap on Mark Mir, but like it's just right. like that's the ideal way to play the game. I think like there's just so much more behind those lines. Yeah, um, and at least in my mind, and I think in a lot of people's minds. So to see like her, like yeah. Femshep be like the sort of like center of that trailer was so good. Yeah, and yeah. apparently they took uh, the lockdown Mass Effect Three Femshep and have worked her back so you can start Mass Effect 1 with that model if you want to go for mm. the archetypical, is that the right word? Um, Femship, but okay. The default, but yeah. yeah. With, your, <laughs> yeah. with your expert ear, Sarah, I'm curious, like what is it about Jennifer Hale's performance as Shepard in particular you think that really pops? Like what is she nailing that you think has resonated so well? Um, she, well, she had this, I, I remember the significance of giving voice to this character with so many options i'm not sure yeah. it may have been done before i mean i check my history but i don't think that there was a profile or sort of an awareness of this being such a big deal um excuse me sorry uh, before this um i'm such a demonstrative i'm amazed <laughs> like, mm-hmm. sorry get it. anyway um yeah so so just the kind of this challenge of being a be, voicing a character that has to that has these extremes and shades in between and and sort of what it means to discover a spine. I mean, I studied this, especially like as before I well before I knew I was going to be a bioware lead. I like just as an actor, I was like, oh, this is a challenge for games. This is like a unique puzzle. How is she approaching this? And I, you know, getting to ask her was amazing. Just being like, well, she's like, look, you know, this what she is is a military person. That's like her kind of defining thing. There's a certain degree of resilience and toughness and kind of approach to stuff. But within that channel, there's all this richness and and intimacy and all kinds of stuff. And so the fact that she was, that she came across as consistent and yet still painted with all of these colors, all of this vulnerability and compassion and care and passion and all kinds of stuff, righteous fury, uh, everything. Yeah. And still sound like a a, a unified character is the magic of that performance to me. Um, Yeah. One bit of magic. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, because it's like she's playing twenty characters, not mm-hmm. just one. But they mm-hmm. all have to work. Whereas, like, yeah, she sees them as one, which is why I think why it works is because she sees them as one with different moods or just sort of alternate universes of the same person, and that's why it ties together. Yeah, yeah. And JV, I forget if you played a lot of Cyberpunk, but like, it makes me think of V, which we talked about in the deepest dive on Cyberpunk. But I, I like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. But definitely the character of V. It was definitely a case of rolling the dice with every dialogue option, mm. but like I don't know which personality of V is going to come out. Whereas Shepard always felt consistent in my memory, at least. Of like, okay, there's the Shepard range, and I'm somewhere in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, like my V, it feels like I've only played like 30 or 40 hours of Cyber, only 30, 40, 30, 40 <laughs> hours of Cyberpunk, maybe 20 percent of the way through the game. Yeah, because right. I'm just like doing a bunch of the side activity stuff. Uh, but anytime my V talks in Cyberpunk, she's either really angry or really sad and there's mm-hmm. no like in between um but yeah, yeah with, with Hales Shepard you get the <laughs> that's, full that's range it. that's all we want yeah well you, eventually it'll be really angry really sad or um really flirty those are the three tiers yeah, yeah, I think no. that V will eventually hit um but yeah so just bullet the challenge uh, of that kind of thing yeah ugh, boy Sorry. no but yeah just talking about bullet points for you know what they're changing here in Mass Effect 1 uh, I think it's interesting to like they're proud of overhauling the look of Eden Prime, not changing the level design layout, but just making that look a little bit more rich. A lot of these details are coming from Eurogamer and our friends at Game Informer have uh, Mass Effect on the cover, which is very cool to see. Um, let's see, they, Games Beat reported that they're using AI to like upscale the textures for Mass Effect 1 just because they had to go through so many here, which I would love to know more about that process and how it worked. Um, they're it's adding new skin tones, new hairstyle options to, to Mass Effect. Um, and then, okay, Eurogamer has the big roundup for changes here he says or they say a list of other mass effect one 
improvements mention enemy and squad AI changes, the removal of class-based weapon restrictions, an XP rebalance so you can hit the game's cap without New Game Plus, more consistent autosave points, boss encounter improvements, reduced cooldown for first aid, a reduction in mini-games, and a modernized HUD. So going back to that earlier point. And then also uh, fixing the loading times for the elevator in the Citadel, which is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. please. <laughs> That's it. I, I've always loved the elevator. Yeah. Like, it's just a good sort of like resting point. It's To me, it's like the bonfire in Dark Souls. Of like, okay, let's take a second. And let's they just, chat. Do they yeah, chat they anyone? Chat. Yeah, yeah, they chat. One one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they'll continue that, that sweet, sweet elevator that. chat. I know. It's kind of like, you know, we mentioned bonfire, but it makes me think of like the campfire in the Tales series, you know, just having that moment to kind of bond with your you know, comrades, but I think they'll stretch well, it out I mean, there and still have the, it in there. In the some ele- way. I mean, you still get those discussions, Yes. but what's going to happen is once they It'll complete, then you can press a button to just go right to, you know, yeah. the next point. I yeah. mean, I, Hey, I love the bonfire too, Jay, but I don't like spending a minute there, you know, no, <laughs> like no, no, that's fair. That's seconds. absolutely fair. Um, <laughs> I think, I think one of the things that I saw enhancement wise, that was really impressive. I think it might've been Elise who wrote about it over the Washington post is that the art, uh, folks are doing work to make the looks of all the all of your crew consistent through the trilogy. Yeah, and they focused on Liara, talking about you will mm. see Liara age, you know, and like mm. have stress uh, things. I guess I don't, <laughs> are like stress wear. Uh, Gray hair, I think, is going to be yeah. sprouting. Yeah, out. yeah exactly. Yeah. For how long though? Of all the people <laughs> yeah. to age, isn't she yeah. the one you leave alone? I, I, yeah, I think it's the stress stuff though. Like that's the, fair. Like, the battle hardened things. Shadow for, like, all is the characters. hard. Yes. Yeah. I think that's going to yeah. be really cool to see. Yeah. I, and like you mentioned Shadow Broker, I think of the Lair of the Shadow Broker. So this obviously has all the DLC packed in there. And I'm so it's curious. That Pinnacle Station. That's which right. No one will miss. From, is that Mass Effect 1? <laughs> that's Mass Effect 1. Yeah, oh, which one God. is that? It's the one where it's basically the training facility one where Admiral Hackett's like, ah, Shepard, come and do some training exercises for whatever reason. So you go and do a bunch of training exercises. No one ever <laughs> remembers it. <laughs> And, and so when they announced really... it wasn't coming to the legendary edition, people were like, what a loss. <laughs> the what now? Oh no. Yeah. Um, but I am so curious to see, because I've played, I think, most of the DLC, but not all of it. And so I'm curious to see like how this is going to kind of balloon up Mass Effect 2 and 3 in particular when you have all the DLC, DLC in there. Like, a I, lot, I think. 2 is, 2 basically doubles in size. Holy like secret. it goes from like 20 to 40 hours if you're doing everything. It's so there's so much to do. So what besides Lair of the Shadow Broker? I mean, that's there's Overlord. There's Kasumi. Mm. Uh, there's the the Firewalk. You get basically the Mako replacement, the Firewalker, and that right. comes with a bunch of missions. Oh my god! Right. Uh, Arrival was the last one, I think. Is that what that was called? Yeah, it's the it's the Mass Effect three prequel DLC, right, whatever right. that is. I think it's Arrival. Yeah, Arrival. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's officially just... been too long since I played. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I played it a bunch. I had three shepherds throughout all of them, and so I thought I was like fancy. I didn't meet Mister Twenty Something here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite, but my favorite uh, bit about the DLC is when Mass Effect two came out. They had all this DLC tied, kind of like they do for Call of Duty, to like Mountain Dew and Chips Ahoy oh, and Doritos no. and stuff. And that's like, it's all cosmetic. Uh, so it's just like, oh, you want that goofy helmet? You have to go drive to this gas station like 20 miles out of the way from wherever you live to get this one particular kind of Mountain Dew. And that's going to be all in here. And it's all terrible helmets. And 
it's it's stuff to make your shepherd look goofy as goofy as possible. So I'm very excited. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's fun. I just wonder, yeah, do you think fun. it's going to feel significantly different? I mean, is the main storyline going to feel more diluted with all this DLC in there? I mean, there's even characters that I haven't encountered, which is so bizarre for a series that I love. But it's like I don't really know who Kasumi is. I've never <laughs> interacted with that person. Oh my god! Yeah, I you like never Kasumi. played the Kasumi DLC? No, somehow it's fun. I didn't. Is that the one where you go I, to the party? Yeah, that's it's it's the James it's the James Bond ass DLC. It's so much <laughs> yeah. fun. Oh wait, uh, but the party one I always think isn't that Citadel and Mass Effect Three where everybody has the party? Not party with your friends. This is like go to a fancy party. And like, oh, a party! Kind of I see a party. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I know people love Shadow Broker the most, and I think that's fair. But Kasumi is probably my favorite one because it's mm. like the strangest one in terms of like what they do with the Mass Effect mission structure. Yeah, mm. like it plays like nothing else in the rest of that game and it's just so much fun and Kasumi's a great character to have alongside yeah. for the rest of the game it's so good oh, she, cool. I, I would like to say about Kasumi that um, my memory of this is that it's really like when you have an Asian character there's so many ways you can mess that up <laughs> as far as like stereotypes and uh, my memory of Kasumi is that she's like yeah she's an assassin or whatever she is she's some sort of mysterious shadowy operative yeah, she's like a half thief or a thief or something yeah. yeah yeah it's never it, it's kept vague yeah yeah but she but my memory of her is is her being warm and accessible even though she maintains that kind of air of mystery and like and, and sort of which is a which is what you want you don't want it to be like i don't know oh a mysterious asian person and you're like no she's she's cool she's dope and you can hang um that was yeah important to me so yeah i was excited to see that yeah they're really yeah. i mean bioware's really good about that stuff uh, ben, just to go back to your original or to your question about how much it'll like affect, you know, uh, th your playthrough, like yeah. meeting all these characters that you've never, never seen. It won't matter that much in two, but in three, it matters a lot. Right. Like they go out of their way to sort of make sure that everyone reckons with your choices. And like with Kasumi, there's I think there's like four or five ways her story can play out. <laughs> within a contained chapter in three, depending on your choices. And it's super good. Ooh, interesting. Ooh. Okay. Like, yeah, like you should, you should do as much as you can in mass effect one and two, just so you get the really good payoff in three, because I feel like three is a lesser game. If you don't do that stuff, mm. like it's still mm. really good, but you mm -hmm. just miss out on so much. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine if you like didn't recruit Rex or something, <laughs> you were like, you or got Rex killed as right. some people have right. done. Yeah. Like, it's easy to uh, yeah, that absolutely happened Actually. to me, and it was heartbreaking, but it's like, well, I'm sticking with it. And it's one of my favorite moments yeah. from that series, even though it's like, well, I really like that character, but I'm going to roll yeah. with this. Because I, I remember, God, this is really taking me back, but I remember role-playing Mass Effect 1. Well, I guess we should dodge spoilers, but <laughs> basically, I, I was role-playing. I think that's fair, Sarah. People are going to be playing this for the first time. But I was playing, children, I was playing Mass Effect yes. 1 is like, what if my shepherd is just like accepting and loving but just really hates Krogan's is just like all in on like That's very cool. targeted you like your RP dude I really <laughs> like you and Ashley must have had lots no 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 because Ashley she hates all the races I was accepting everybody <laughs> except for those Krogan's I just didn't trust him and was so I thought, pitch for the rest of your career you're like I'm nicer than Ashley though <laughs> I just hate this one race <laughs> But it turns out that that's uh, a choice that really has ramifications, and I did not see it coming. And it was brutal. Mm. But hey, good times, Mass Effect, everybody. I hope that yeah. it's as good as we all remember it. You know, I feel like it's so nice to see Bioware get a win. Um, it's been a little while since everyone's been like, F yeah, Bioware. And it seems like with the building of this remaster, I think all the fans are in unison here happy, as far as I can tell so far. Yeah, there have been some folks when we were talking earlier about Vermeer sort of 
screenshots like they there have been some people who got frustrated like oh they took away the big red apocalyptic sky and put in a bunch of lens flare and stuff really? and i okay. kind of get that concern yeah hmm. uh there there was like it, it was more like a subreddit of people than rather like an army you know of disgruntled folks but i do get kind of the concerns of like when you when you have a remaster what they choose to touch up on and remove i don't mind it that much but i could see someone's like you know who's really into the introduction of the first mass effect stepping onto this beautiful planet but seeing it sort of like shrouded in doomsday environment sort of stuff coming to the remaster and seeing that gone as being sort of disappointing uh but it does seem like most people are really on board i'm definitely on board but i think i'm also desperate because i've just wanted to play like mass effect mm. on a console again and yeah. not on my pc Especially because uh, Mass Effect 1, I don't think they had controller support for the PC version, right? No, they did not. That's so That's wild. That's thing that they fixed. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. So Yeah. Cool. I'm happy. I'm, I, I can't wait. Can I, before we leave Mass Effect 1, can yeah. I just shout out as the voice actor on this thing? Um, that I love Fred Tatashore's, um performance as Saren. I think it's amazing. And Fred mm-hmm. does not get cast as like... He's always, he's the creature guy or he's a big yeah. goof or he's like Baird in gears. Like he's, and just being this like immensely Shakespearean villain, just dripping with gravitas and intellect is like not, is not something that I always see from him. And I think he's freaking amazing. I love yeah. Saren so much. I, I actually think like Mass Effect 1's best feature and it comes at the cost of the rest of the trilogy is Saren. I mm. don't think they've, there's ever been a better villain in that series. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sucks that like yeah. going to two and three and two is my favorite game, but like, it's Thank like, you. Oh, here's this yeah. vague army of bad dudes that you can't really sympathize with. But Saren is so sympathetic and evil at the same mm-hmm. time. It's so yeah. much fun. It's such yeah, a big Saren fan. It's a small Go thing. Ahead. And it's probably coming down to like labeling from, you know, EA in some way, but I always love the idea that, uh, for the soundtrack from Mass Effect one, Saren's theme is just the game over music, which is such yeah. an awesome, like, do-do-do-do, which I heard a lot in Mass Effect 1, because I remember dying quite a bit. And so this subtle connection, like, oh, that is his theme. He wins every time you lose. Yeah. Um, Before we leave the music, can yeah. I talk about the music for one second? Please do, because I want to talk more about it, too. Because, just because the, like... The menu music and the menu is is so looms very very large in my kind of games and voiceover career picture. Like if there if I were to distill it kind of down to one image, it would be kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> so like I when I left you know I left school and and I moved to New York and I um you know we had like a mattress on the floor and the TV I had was like my dad's RCA like three feet foot deep old thing and i was playing this game that i was like i know i'd been a bioware fan um and then i but that's when when it came out and like just falling asleep to that menu music like playing it late into the (laughs) night and then just falling asleep to it um is such a like vivid 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 memory and like that was just sort of the beginning of everything and so like to me there's kind of a i mean really with kotor i suppose as far as like being aware of what voice acting was and games voice acting in general but like Mass Effect being the beginning of trying to become a professional in something and anything and then finding my way to to Anthem player character is like those are the two kind of big poles to me. Yeah. And so like just that music is so like immediately brings back a very distinct time in my life. Well, are you ready um, to have that yeah. distinct time in your life brought back? Let's let's savor <laughs> this a little bit. A vigil. Don't don't fall asleep. No matter this what. Is like lullaby music for you. Cry. <laughs> See, this is this is my problem with the Legendary Edition marketing so far, is they've had two new songs, or maybe they're like remixes of subtle songs from the trilogy for the trailers. 
if they just had this music, I understand it's not the most energetic trailer music, but they could have the more like iconic Mass Effect sounds in those trailers. And the fact that they go for like a song that people aren't emotionally attached to just seems insane. Like if you're I mean, bringing back Terminator. Just stop playing it because you don't want me to just oh, dissolve. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. What uh, what song won't make you cry? Let's boot it up real quick here. <laughs> no, I don't mind crying as long as you don't mind me crying. <laughs> to that point, Hanson, there's a lot of runway left for like PR before that game comes out. <laughs> That's true. I'm okay. sure we will have a vigil trailer yeah. at some point. Do you think? I just. Yeah. I, we, I guess. It, it feels stupid not to. I know, uh, and everybody's yeah. so emotional about the Legendary Edition trailer, and that, that's great. I don't want to hold anything against them, but it's like, I just feel like they could bring the house well, down if they brought back just, like, the iconic synth of Mass Effect in those trailers. I mean, I think the problem here is, like, they have to sell Mass Effect to a, other people besides, like, the four Nostalgia. people in this chat room, you mm -hmm. know? Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you it, Sarah, to Excuse the babies me. you talked about earlier. Yeah. I'm sorry, I love you babies. Love you. <laughs> So, I, uh, I mean, it makes kind of sense that, like, the first, like, thing is so action-packed and stuff. I guess so. Yeah, I uh, I went back um, and watched our old interviews that we shot back at Game Informer for the Mass Effect 3 cover story trip, which was early 2011, went up to Edmonton for that. Um, and it really made me laugh because I forgot how much of the messaging in that from, like, Casey Hudson during the interviews is he'd be talking about how great Mass Effect is and all that stuff. And then he would always slip in a sly reference to, like, and by the way, Mass Effect 3 is a great place to start. Like, that was, which like, is, part of, like, the marketing message for Mass Effect what? 3, where it's like, I know it's you have bullshit. to say that. I mean, I know, I know <laughs> Katie has to say that, but right. come on. It's just come on. absurd. Uh, you know Sarah, battle. <laughs> did you do you work? guys remember that they had Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U and absolutely no other Mass Effect? I do remember vaguely <laughs> that it was better with Connect, but I can't remember how or why. Yeah. Um, Sarah, did you work with Casey Hudson on the Anthem, or did you record that stuff before he came back to Bioware? What was that timeline He was like? there, but I didn't, like... I met him once. Okay. I met him at PAX. They did a big reveal, at, or, like, a big panel at PAX, um, which Nick Tarabay kind of moderated. Um... And but and I think I met him then, but I don't believe that we interacted outside of that. But it, we that was definitely overlap in tenure, yeah, when he came back. Oh, nice. Um, were there other folks that you worked with at Bioware that you want to uh, spotlight as just being brilliant? You mentioned the voice director. What was her name again? I mean, I love freaking everybody that I worked. I mean, yeah, Caroline Livingstone. Caroline Livingstone is the secret sauce of of all of the the things that we, the the subtlety, the interesting choices, the, you know, like so much in the, these performances that subverts you know, stereotypes and expectations and are just so wonderful. Like that's all so much of that is her taste and her cultivation and her being an actor's director. She's just got an acting background, theater background. Um, and she's just amazing. She's funny. She's fantastic. So working with Caroline was a dream come true, but kind of everybody that I worked with, I mean, Parrish Lay was our cinematic lead and Parrish just indulged the hell out of me. Like I would be on the performance capture stage and like bugging him with questions because I wanted to understand the player's experience and everything that I could about like, um, and so I would bug him with gameplay stuff and he would be so, so indulgent and patient with me. Um, <laughs> and Patrick Michalik, who now is at Insomniac, um, was our dialogue coordinator. And I, I love working with Patrick. It's awesome. Um, Patrick was like my rock. Anytime I would be like about to spin out or like sort of on the set, Patrick's a very soothing influence. Um, and it's been wonderful working with him, uh, you know, working with Insomniac since then. Um, so yeah, everybody. I mean, Ashley, one of our producers. I mean, everyone. They're yeah. all everyone that I worked with in my little section, which was so removed. I didn't get a chance to like go to the office and meet with other folks. Right. Um, although I do, we do follow each other on Twitter a bit. Um, it was great. Yeah, it was great. I loved my cast. I'm still friends with Nick Tarabay. Like, did not see that. I did, I did not picture a world in which a goofy dweeb like me would be like really good friends with Nick Tarabay. But we are, and that's so special. And a special product of getting to do performance capture and have a cast feeling. 
getting to play with TJ Rimini, like yeah, really treasured memories. What um what is the state of the anthem community? Because I feel like in some ways I wish I knew. I don't know. I mean, you must have super fans though that reach out or on the Reddit. Hang on, you're wincing like this doesn't exist. Surely there are anthem super fans out there, right? They don't come to my door. What? I mean, I here's well, actually, that's not true. I think someone who tagged in our conversation, uh, you and you and me, um, was like, "Hey, remember how they played your your sex radio drama?" (laughs) I remember what Jurassic World revealed, where it just sounds like. Oh my god, you were the voice on Jurassic World revealed. That's all me, baby. That's all me. And that is what happens when you take any kind of exertion noise outside of a visual cue in video games. Like in video games, you have all those keys cues to tell you that it's violence and running and whatever. But if you just listen to the audio, it's just heavy panting. Oh, wait. What was your your pot, that podcaster's name in Jurassic World? Damn it, Best. (laughs) I love that game. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I mean, it's absurd, it so but fun. I hope, I don't know if you caught, yeah, we played the entire thing on a podcast, I think, and it was so yeah. silly and so much fun just to scream into a stupid animal on Alexa to mm-hmm. interact with dinosaurs. I'm, my background is radio dramas. That was like my a big way into f- discovering voiceover in yeah. college. And so getting to work with Earplay over the years, I also did Codename Cyg- Cygnus with them. And um, I love interactive audio drama. Like, I think it's just so intimate and it's wonky, but it's very, very Close, and, and I love that about yeah. it. Take this in the spirit um, yeah. which it's intended, but Codename Cygnus, people have been recommending it. Would it be as nice. funny to play as Jurassic World Revealed? Is it goofy, or is it just is it more just good? It's spy goofy. Okay. It's spy goofy. I mean, it's like, yeah, like a man, a spy. And it's uh, and you, so you've got a lot of tropes in there. Like, I'm your... I, I, I honestly love that character, character to bits. They were, he was like, what do you want to play? Which uh, no one ever asked. They were like, what do you want to do? I'm like, oh, have I got some <laughs> ideas? Um, so I got to be kind of like a Ms. Moneypenny that was like very buttoned up and efficient, but had like a super crush on her boss and would get really flustered, which is just like the dream, like just a little bit of capable and a little bit of not capable or falling apart is like the perfect balance for me. So yeah. super fun. I'm not sure. I don't know how it holds up now. I think they have done since getting Dave Gilbert involved. Yeah. They have had, they've done a real overhaul on their gameplay and tried to avoid Codename Cygnus does a lot of like, how do you want to do this? Like, do you want to be cool or do you want to be like aggressive? And And Dave, I think what Dave brought to it was like, less sort of signifying the how of what you're about to do and more like, do you want to take this item? What, what do you want to do? And we'll show you kind of how that plays yeah. out. Um, and I think, anyway, I think that works out well for them. So not to, not to get too geeky. Is it Dave Grossman? Gilbert. Wait, no Grossman. Yes. Jesus. Cause Ron wow. Gilbert's Ron Gilbert <laughs> and Dave Grossman work together. So I, that's totally un- it is. Oh my God. Dave, I'm gonna look so no, nervous. that's fine. Yes, that's no, fine. I've, I've just been talking with Dave Gilbert who does adventure games at Wajidai games. And oh. that's why it's in my brain, but it is 1000% the icon that is Dave Grossman <laughs> who I love and is amazing. Yes. Going back to um, day, the tentacle, all that good stuff. Yes. Just to call out Dave Gilbert's games rule. Hey. Uh, uh, yeah, all those are really good. <laughs> um, all, a fan once referred to me as the Sean Bean of Wajidai Games because I die in all of them. <laughs> oh, mm. so Congratulations. That's I love guy. it. That's my favorite nickname. Okay, before um, we fully leave Mass Effect behind, um, Zach Eink uh, from the community, he says, he says, hello, with all the excitement with Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I put together a little game for you, JV, called List Off the Mass Effect Species. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, okay, oh, and, and drop races not included <laughs> and in addition to dlc races like the yog prothean leviathans those aren't included so no okay. dlc or andromeda races i don't know if i can get all of them but i think i can do pretty good oh all my right. god okay hang on hang on all right okay uh kyle start the clock i'm excited okay go uh, for it on your mark get set let me find the clock app go uh-huh. human correct uh salarian turian quarian krogan uh, Batarian, uh, 
Oh no! Uh, the oh, big no. jellyfish Uh-oh. monsters. I don't know what those mm-hmm. are. Uh, Starts with an the, H. The big, the big nasty are the 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 ones who enunciate everything. Who who enunciate all their moods? I can't remember uh, the, what uh, kind of. Uh, oh, those are. Uh, cool. uh, oh yeah, I can't remember. L Elcors. There we go. All right. Yeah, I don't remember the jellyfish ones though. Collector. Close enough. Hanar. Right? Hanar. Yes. Uh, <laughs> vocal one on uh, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, oh. Volus. Yeah. Yeah. Gods. What is it? I'm a. There's another one that's actually. There's another V. There's another V. There's another V. Yep. I can't do the effect right now. human. My voice. Mark Meir also plays this species, which is fun. Mm. Um, they're one of those alien species that are supposed to be ugly and gross, but it'd be nice if, like, <laughs> one of them was good-looking. Um, nasty. Uh, they're just very hissy. Hissy nasty. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Starts with a V. Right. Boar. Uh, is one of, are they, is, is there a teammate one? No. No. They're too uh, nasty Oh, for Promethean, them. or, ah, uh, sh- Nope, nope, Prothean, that's the DLC. Prothean. Doesn't count. Uh. Uh, no, they were in the original game. They count. Okay. Uh, Mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, that counts. Yeah. They're a plot point, Ben. <laughs> Vor... Vorch... Vorch... Oh, Vorchka? Vorchka? Vorchka. <laughs> Just Vorchka, yeah. I forgot about them. I tried <laughs> to wipe them from my memory. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got, y'all. Okay. What are those short... Do we already name those? Uh, there's a couple more. Yeah, the short... The Volus, right? We said Volus. Volus, right. yeah. Um, okay, what about this is debatable. I guess you'd call them a That's race. That's really good though. They're less a race and Two more minutes. of a people. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, this is it's kind of a counterpart to the um <laughs> Quarians? What is what is Tally? Quarians? Yes. Think of yeah. the, the ying to their yang. Oh Gath. Gath, there we go. Um, yeah, I guess that counts. I think they'd want to be identified as a people, so I guess it counts. Yeah, <laughs> let's see. You mentioned uh, them as not being a very good antagonist. Oh, mm. I thought it said collectors. Did you? Okay, well, I didn't yeah. hear it, but counting it now. I didn't say reapers, though. I didn't say Correct, reapers, reapers are counted, apparently, and there's one more. Think one of, more. Think of your dear friend Elise Favis. And oh, oh, Thane, whatever Thane, stupid Drell. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Actually, Drell. he lists it just as whatever Thane, stupid race is. Uh, the Drell, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. Of course, Thanks, I forgot the Drell. Ugh. Do you want to hear a funny story about <laughs> Pretty good. That's really good. Yay. Uh, yes, Sarah. Um, a really, and I should, I should stop bringing it up because now I am just friends with these people. And like, the more I bring it up, the more that they remember that's how we first met. Uh huh. But, um, it was uh, first of all, it was just really funny meeting all my Bioware romances at my agency, like in the flesh. <laughs> but um, when I definitely I like called into a meeting of some sort, like a, a sort of community meeting. And I like uh, and I don't know what did this. I swear there was some reason I said this out loud with my mouth. But I like did. I was like, oh, yeah, I made you two have sex to like Keith Farley and Jennifer. Hale. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, like, I don't why uh they, they were like, maybe they were like oh sarah plays games or something i don't know what that like context would have been but that's definitely like one of the first things i said to keith farley ever in my life that is amazing <laughs> sarah who would you meeting put, yeah who would you put on like the the mount rushmore of video game voice acting other than yourself uh, wow jennifer hale i'll just put up there she'll be our jefferson mm-hmm. who else you got yeah god this is hard i mean it's hard i'm gonna leave some people out um we got four 
Four. Damn, I want more rules. Fudge. Um. Well, I think Ashley Johnson should be on there. Okay. Um. I mean, I think. All right. I'm gonna. My new rules are gonna be like, who are my sort of beacons in my own kind of who like stands out to me as people that I that have lit my path. So this is like a custom creative. private Mount Rushmore for your own backyard. This is this is my own rules. Yes. Right. Okay. This is like Sarah's. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that Nolan North has to be on there for Drake. Um. I think that. Uh. Who else has to be on there? This is uh, and, Yuri. And literally every other video game worth knowing. <laughs> That's true. Right. Of course. Put them up there. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's there for Drake because that was like the big. I was like, oh, look at how oh, yes, natural course, and yeah. and spontaneous and fun you are. Um, but yes, sure. Also, the personality sphere in Portal. If you want to be fancy, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think um, there was oh Yuri Lowenthal. Um, yeah, his Spider Man yeah. rocked my world. It's so good. Really the rocked Prince. my stocks in a very video game like in a video game way. Like that is. That is someone who like lives in this world and this idiom so beautifully and brings so much depth to it, but is very much in the in the tone and that and handles all of these video gamey aspects of, you know, whether it's like the two kinds of swinging voice or just whatever else is in there is just so impeccable and and really beautifully done. Um, So, yeah, those are is that four? I think it is four. Wait, okay, three. Yeah. And then Jennifer Hale. All right. Carve Mm -hmm. it. Here we go. Um, Yes, JV. I was just going to say. I've been playing a lot of Hitman recently, and one of my favorite little joys of rediscovery is like the original Hitman from 2016. Is that so many of the characters are voiced by Yuri? Oh and yeah. Every time I have to kill really? one of them, I feel bad because I feel like I'm killing Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, like on the showstopper Paris level, it feels like all the bodyguards have Yuri's voice. Oh my god, he's doing so, a screaming I'm, voice. I feel so bad. Ugh. That's um, funny. Kyle Hilliard, are you on this podcast? Yeah, I'm here. Welcome, sir. Um, you had a weird thing where you jumped in our Slack the other day and you said, hey, everybody, the DLC for Resident Evil 7 is freaking nuts, and why don't people talk about it? It's weird. Yeah. So, okay, like, so hang on. Did you play like, replay all of Resident Evil 7? No. No, I played it when it came out and really loved it, and then um, just because I was excited about 8, I just went and bought like the, you know, the edition that has all the DLC yeah. and played through all that. It's JV silently mouthing, I did too, which is great for yeah, a podcast. Yeah, I did too. I saw it like, <laughs> oh, it's like 15 bucks more. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, when I was at GI, I just stole the library copy to play the game. Not stole, borrowed. Uh, to play Resident Evil 7 and then haven't Same. touched it since. So I figured, oh yeah, I'll go ahead and play this while we're waiting for the tall lady game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. How um, so You started over though, JB, right? Yeah, or I started you... over. I, okay. I'm doing a whole new... How does it, uh, how's the base game age for you, JB? Pretty good. There okay. are some things that I'm not wild about. Uh, like I just did that chainsaw fight with Jack and I think that's not good at all i think it's a brilliant concept that's just not fun to play it's tough uh, yeah. yeah it's but on the whole like the atmosphere is great uh i just love how well they translated the resident evil experience to first person with dabs of like pt and and uh, outlast and stuff i think it really works i think for them trying to like completely change like the perspective of their games and go in a different direction while still honoring you know what made those games so good in the first place like it's really well done uh yeah, but there are no feels like that i have resident evil in a yeah i don't like the way. i don't like the molded enemies that's a thing yeah but, uh, you know i love the southern setting but i'm from the south so it feels like i'm kind of like that's just automatic i think it works really well right like, this reminds me of vibe. this is like my dinner scenes when i was exactly a child. Yeah. yeah this was just dinner with the relatives yeah <laughs> 
Uh, but Kyle, oh, the oh. DLC, uh, what yeah, is, so I is it like joking? Run down the DLC quickly. Like there's um, not a hero where you play as Chris, which is pretty straightforward, more Resident Evil 7. You know, if you want that, that's where it is. It's good. Uh, you fight uh, Lucas, right? The brother again yeah. in that one. But then it goes like off the rails. End of Zoe, you play as Jack's brother and you do not wield a gun through the course of the whole thing. Ooh. You punch all the enemies. That's it's like awesome. There's like combos for fist fighting and stuff like that. And so, and I tweeted about it because it's so weird. You have to like punch through doors and stuff <laughs> like that. And like you're like, get away from my niece. And you're just like punching these moldy <laughs> monsters. And, That's uh, a really was, good actually, It totally like blindsided <laughs> me. I did not expect it to be that way at all. And like someone, I was tweeting about it and someone was like, the final upgrade that you get in that DLC is like some of my favorite in video games, period. And I was like, all right, we'll see. But when I got it, I was like, this is incredible. I won't spoil it because what? I think people are... Okay, heads up. Here, should, should I spoil it? And then we like... Yeah, you, you, you should just... spoil it. Heads yeah. up, spoiler for Resident Evil 7 DLC happening yeah. for the next 10 seconds. Yeah, so you get basically a, a, like a mechanized fist that you can charge up and punch no! zombies even harder. And nice. it's like, it's it's insane. It's got a little computer voice that's like, charging, what? charging. So it's like a Fallout like fist? Like, like yeah. the, the gauntlet? Okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'm Is in. this it's game so to be so wacky? It sounds great. I know, it's wacky even on Resident Evil terms, which is like that cool. game, that series can go off the rails, but this was even like a lot for me. And then there's, there's also a mode where you play Blackjack with the... Um, with the fear of your fingers getting cut off, which is like surprisingly intense and oh scary. My God. There's a mode where you like have to jack. The main villain of the game is sitting at a table with a party hat on, and you have to go around and collect food from the house to feed him. While <laughs> <fighting> <laughs> zombies. Um, and then, yeah, what's then? Yeah, it's like it's stuff like that. It's so wild and weird. It's like totally worth diving into, especially for me who is like, I want to revisit RE7, but I don't want to start over like JV did. Like, I yeah. don't want to like go through the whole experience but to just get a taste and some extension of the story too like that is in there um it's it's fantastic like it's totally worth can i jump out. to just the dlc yes yeah, yeah you can well you have to start the game first and play through the intro and then once you're through the intro you oh. exit out it takes you to the main menu then you can access the dlc oh weird okay, okay. yeah i did have Game my own save <laughs> yeah and there's there's also um another puzzle room i don't know if you remember these from re7 but it's like there's no combat. It's just solving. It's basically like a digital escape room, mm. which there was like two or three in the main game that I loved. And they have like a standalone one where the mother ha- like found someone out in the wild who was like shooting a documentary about alligators and like straps you into a bed and you need to figure out how to get out of the bed. And like you have to like, you know, take down paintings to find stuff, but she'll come back every few minutes. So while you're searching, you have to like put things back up on the wall so she doesn't notice that you've been trying so to So it's get just out. misery, the DLC? Yeah. yeah. Hell 100%. yeah. Yeah. And it's great. It's really good. I, I, I hope wow. Resident Evil 8 has more stuff like that where it's mm. like these dedicated escape room puzzle areas because I really like it in that. In yeah. For sure. I'm excited for Resident games. Evil 8 just because <laughs> it looks like Bloodborne. Like, just visually Resident <laughs> Evil. like the first time i saw a screenshot for it i legit thought they were just posting bloodborne screenshots <laughs> like it's just straight up like one one it's a genius have marketing guys, strategy yeah have you guys seen that really tall lady i don't know if people <laughs> are really talking about it but she's she like, no, i've no, ever been on the internet something. yeah i don't know the internet told me that she invented sex actually just, <laughs> it, it, it happened like a couple months uh-huh. ago yeah it's pretty impressive yeah mm-hmm. i here's i was thinking yeah, about the tall lady i know we talked about her too much on last week's episode or something but I was thinking about just where the hell is this coming from on the internet other than people's, you know, brains. 
but I was like, it feels like, and this is maybe too much of a stretch, but it feels like the same running joke enthusiasm with like, I don't know if you guys watched John Oliver in last week tonight, but like his bit about what he wants Adam oh, driver, driver to do to him. I feel like yeah. the internet has picked that up since that stopped and transferred all of that momentum to the tall lady in Resident Evil 8. This is my working theory. Tim is the new Adam driver. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. Someday look. That running joke was great. The payoff was wonderful. Um, I, it just feels like the Hades stuff all over again, I guess, but on a bigger scale. Right. You know? Yes. Everyone... Is it like a COVID? I was going to get very anthropological. I'm like, is it a COVID thing that all our kinks are just raging? Like, what is it? I mean, it's like. No, I still I still think Bowsette is the starting line for this thing. Like, honestly. <laughs> that, and was that was weird. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could be right. Um, hey, <laughs> on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Kyle, we're a couple of yeah. destruction all stars on PlayStation Five, the new PlayStation Five exclusive. Um, yeah. It's the PS Plus game, so if you have PS Five, you got it basically. JV, do you have you checked this out yet by chance? I've downloaded it. Okay, but it's one of those things where like I'm trying to go through Resident Evil now. I'm trying to like master all the levels in Hitman. It's it's on the list, and I'll get to it. Uh, but I yeah, it I want to play it. I, Kyle, I also I want to replay all of Control in 60 frames. Too, so <laughs> There's a lot day. to get to. Um, but Kyle, I don't know if you've had thoughts about it going in, but I realized like a couple weeks ago, like, you know what? I'm looking forward to Destruction All-Stars. I will have it on my PS5. I'm hungry for another PlayStation 5 game. It's cool to have an exclusive. I like Twisted Metal. I like silly games like this. So I was surprisingly excited going in and then played it a bit last night and said, you know, it's cool to see this generation's like B games, you know? It's nice to see that B tier mm. level game with like a PlayStation 5 level of production mm. where it's like, it still looks and plays pretty good even if you realize what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, animation's fantastic. Yeah. Like, that's like the thing, the selling mm. point for me. I, I mean, my big surprise, this was just a dumb lack of research on my part, but when the PlayStation Studios logo popped up at yep. the front, I was like, I didn't realize this was a first-party game. It's like, wild, wild, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar, it is part Twisted Metal, part Rocket League, part Onrush. You're in a car, but you can jump out of the car. Not just jump out. It's very satisfying. You can like launch yourself out, kind of like you can in Arkham Knight out of the Batmobile. Just like the... Or Interstate 82, which is a game no one has ever heard of. Is it? Except people who uh, got PC how about, Gamer um, demo discs. Oh! What about Pursuit Force? Is that another one that no one's ever heard of? No, I don't have a sequel, of at least. It's kind of like Rumble Racing. Behind. We welcomed them in. Let's <laughs> kick them out. <laughs> but yeah, it feels Demo like... Discs. Demo it, discs. <laughs> it feels like a throwback to kind of that PS1, PS2 era racing game. Even stuff like Kinetica. You know, it's just like, oh, it's cool to see Sony funding something new to take a chance on this studio yeah. lucid games is their name and they've done a bunch of support projects like they worked on geometry wars 3 and technically worked on jay fallen order and stuff uh, but mm. it's cool to see them you know get a big up at bat here even if you play it and after a while kind of if you had the same experience but at the end of it i was like this is a as blank check would put it this is a gentleman seven <laughs> like but the fact that we all have yeah, a ps plus like is a good home for it it's a, like I love the look. I, well, I, I maybe looks not the right word, but the animation yeah. was really like thrilling to me. And like? and like the controls of it, like driving feels good, jumping out of the car and running around feels good. Mm-hmm. The controlling the character actually has a little bit of a su- a sucker punch feel to it, like an infamous uh. kind of like the way you jump and stuff like that, which I love. But like the sort of the main core loop of the game of like crashing into cars is like kind of unsatisfying. Yeah. Like it's hard to get like a really good crash. And it's one of those things where I was like, man. I would love these getting in and out of car mechanics in like an mm. open world 
game. Mm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like being able to drive around, jump between cars and like mm. an open world city would be great. But like, uh, yeah, it's it's not bad. Like it's worth checking out. It's but like it's I don't know. Right. If it's, it's not one that's probably going to be a, a big hook for me. You no. know, uh, JV. May I yeah. interest you? The game does have wall running. Ooh. Well, is that is your it game? wall running? It's is it Titanfall 2 wall running? It's no Titanfall 2 wall running, but it's solid Not wall well. running. Are you okay. a sommelier of, of wall running? <laughs> yeah, Jamie's the expert. Yes. <laughs> he I'm actually, very picky about my wall running. He has so many what scuff marks. Wait, what? What's the best wall running? Titanfall 2. Okay. Like, undisputed. Well, how do you feel about hard for me to like? Hey. Kyle, what about Prince of Persia? Like in general, no. like is platform, you don't, <laughs> get the you hell don't out of here, Kyle. Leave. Don't kid yourself. Uh, I'm curious how uh, Destruction All Stars is going to age on one specific front. The same thing that Astro does, where when you're running around on foot, they are just desperate to show off the dual sense, so they have the controller vibrate like left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot as you're running around. And I think this is going to be one of those things that by the end of the generation we're going to look back on and just be like, what is this? <laughs> Why did we think this was going to be a new staple for running is to have the vibration in specific hands. It's so silly. Control does the same thing. Really? PS5. Actually, it's towards the back, but every step that Jess takes, the control rumbles a very tiny bit to try and simulate <sighs> the fact that you're walking on like granite or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's a choice, but I'm probably going to turn it off, hopefully, within it, an hour. Yeah, it's a choice. Uh, it's and you have those, a choice like, oh, off. we can really be immersive sort of things. Right. right. Yeah. Anything that your brain filters in life is maybe not worth investing in. In a Maybe not. I don't know. What do I know? I'm not Who sure. knows? No, Who knows? Way to put it. I like that. But yeah, Destruction All-Stars, I'm curious what people think about it. Maybe it'll get a little bit of a groundswell here. They're trying to position it as, you know, the Fall Guys, as a Rocket League, mm-hmm. like get on there in PS Plus. It's a good strategy and a good place for it, I think. I, it has potential. Yeah. Has potential. Um, let's see. That'll be on my tombstone. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have some plugs. Let's see. Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? You know, I've heard rumor. Mm-hmm. that it's a Patreon. That's right. But I can't confirm this or deny it. The I can one. actually confirm it for you. It's patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. If you support us at any tier, you get access to the wonderful Discord. You can submit comments and questions for us to read on the show. And if you support us at a higher tier, we will read a plug for whatever you want on the podcast. Um, Sarah, again, because you're a voice expert, you're welcome to judge how I'm plugging these. Or if you want me to ship over these plugs and you can read it because you're an expert, that's also an option. Something- I can read something if you want. Do you, Where would I find it to read? Um, that's a good question. All right. Um, so the first one's from Beaten Down Brian. Let me let me send it to you. It's in the group chat. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's very voicey. That's yes. fun. All right. The floor is yours. Okay. Right. That's it. No more messing around. I want you folks at home to take out a notepad and jot this down. Leo Vader. Now, the second this podcast ends, and I mean the second it ends, I want you to open up YouTube and type that into the search bar and then go sub to Leo's channel. Leo's is creating absolutely fantastic video essays covering a wide variety of topics as well as streaming every Sunday. If you're a fan of Min Max and you're not sub to Leo's channel, then you're doing it wrong. And frankly, I'm a little embarrassed for you right now. Beautiful. That's that a fantastic. plug, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Beat Down Brian. I went and unsubscribed just so I could reset. <laughs> <laughs> Beat Down Brian is such a generous guy. Uh, in the community, he's been rotating out who he's plugging every single uh, week. And yeah, for his grand finale here, he wanted to plug Leo Vader's channel, which Sweet. I don't even know if I need to plug at this point. It is blowing up. It's We're so happy for him. It's crazy. His video about <laughs> Now You See no, Me. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now to get the number, Hanson. I think it's close to a million, isn't it? It's getting there. 
It's absurd. Now you see me like the movie? Um, so, yeah, he made a video about yeah. trying to break down whether or not the magicians in Now You See Me are wizards. <laughs> yeah, it's magic. It's, it's like seems... real magic, not like pro magic. That's it's the idea. dumb magic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the video. Yeah, so please oh, check that out. Oh, okay. But, Sounds yes. like I have a ride ahead of me. <laughs> Go support yeah. Leo uh, on his solo channel. my own That's advice. Cool. Yeah, 902 is where it's Oh, at, my God. so exciting. I've been tracking it. I, I'm so happy for him. We should go set yeah, fireworks yeah, off right. outside his house when he actually hits a million for that sucker. <laughs> but also, hey, look at prettygoodprinting.com. You can go to prettygoodprinting.com slash minmax to check out what they have available there. Pretty Good Printing is a one-man print shop run by Seth. If you want stickers, invitations, banners, graphic design, and more, check out prettygoodprinting.com. You can use the promo code minmax, one word, two ends, of course, for 10% off. You can follow him on Instagram at prettygoodprinting. Seth says it would mean the world to me and my family if you considered using us for anything you might need. So please, prettygoodprinting.com. Good folks there. And you know they're Bring good folks. Into it. I know, I know. Isn't that a good sucker <laughs> punch? But uh, Seth is a good guy because he's willing to give away MinMax sticker packs to people in the community. And uh, let's play a quick round of game case trivia, video game trivia here. So everybody watching us in the backstage pass, look alive. First one to guess the name of the game based on the back of the box description, omitting keywords, we'll get a pretty good printing sticker pack. Now, JV and Sarah and Kyle, no matter what, you can't buzz in. Maybe if you think you know it, you can raise your hand quietly and subtly okay. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All Look right. alive, Backstage Pass. Here okay. we go. Cut what you will. Blank marks a departure from blank's formula with the birth of a new high-speed action game featuring the cyborg blank. What threats await in a world where privatized military organizations and cyborg technology have spiraled out of control? Find out in this dream collaboration between the legendary creators at blank and Blank. Bob Buell, ladies Bob and gentlemen. Buell. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Congratulations. Uh, oh, damn. Cut what you will. It's such I a know. good specific the sheer right there. that popped up on Kyle's face when he got yeah. it. it was so good. <laughs> was and then the amount of agony as it went on without him being able to say it. It was a very simple <laughs> sort of animation. We all forget <laughs> that. Kyle. Yeah. We all forget that the starting line for that game's marketing was. Ride in cutting a watermelon it's so in a awesome. very specific way. It should have been the start and end. They knew their audience. Oh, hell yeah. Very, yeah. Would Revengeance have a bigger... Hours in Metal Gear Solid 2, like, just breaking shit in that kitchen. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. Messing yeah. with the physics in that game. That's I took so a whole game of this. And then they gave yeah. it to you in a big way. Sorry, what were you yeah. going to say, Sarah? Oh, no. I was just wondering if, like, if, if people would ship, you know, what's with Domestric... Now... <laughs> With Raiden. Oh, Raiden just seems like it would sit sit squarely in our horny in our horny swamp. Yeah, right that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure somebody right. has the fan art of like cutting her legs down so she's his height. I don't right. know. There's some sort yes. of thing you right. can do there. Wow. All right, something. It's too you know? aggressive. Um, well, it's like yeah. How do you combine tall brand, cut brand? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, hey, thanks to iMapeIt as well. Uh, they want everybody to know that you can get Grindstone on the Switch, the game that was formerly on the Apple Arcade. You can now get it on the Switch, and you can get the vinyl soundtrack as well on iMapeIt's wonderful store. Uh, this is the game from Capybara that Kyle says is... The best mobile game in years. I'm sure it's even better on Switch. Right. I love that game. It's fantastic. Said, I love it too. It's Cappy? Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Grindstone mm. is the name of the game. It's a physical edition you can get from iMapeIt, and it comes with a custom reversible... 
uh, <laughs> cover sheet, and then you can actually color on your own. So the physical edition comes with crayons, and then you can draw your own switch case and make it a reversible cover. So please check that out. Also, the soundtrack is on iMeetBit Store, and you can use the promo code Valentines, Valentines, all month long to get 10% off anything in iMeetBit Store that's under $100. And because iMateBit is so generous, uh, every single week they ship something out from the wonderful online store to the MinMax community um, based on what we consider our favorite question of the week. So the winner this week, whoever we choose, realistically you, Sarah, so look alive, whichever person <laughs> submits the best question here, we will ship out the Battletoads in Battle Maniacs vinyl soundtrack from iMateBit. So look alive. Thank you, iMateBit. Um, JV Gwaltney, you do not even want to hear these questions because you're going to have so many takes about it, we couldn't handle them. So yeah, we're going to have to let you go, dude. Obnoxious. That'd be very obnoxious. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to plug before you clap out? Uh, uh, go buy Hitman 3, I guess. Yes. I, <laughs> I work PR on that, and it's a great game mm. outside of that. It's really good. Go buy it. Go yeah. buy it. And go That's it. Yeah, go support You know, an indie dev like IO. Like, it's so cool that they're pulling this off and that that game is as beloved as it is, you know, Dan and Leo Vader have been streaming Hitman 3 and their streams have been hilarious. Uh, you can check it out on Dan's Twitch channel. He's very Twitch good channel. at killing people with a banana. Yeah, <laughs> it's his claim to yeah. fame. Uh, well, thank you it's for being here, stuff. JV. It's nice to talk to you again, dude. Yep. All right. Nice Bye, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Yep. Bye. Jeff Marchiafava joining the podcast, baby. Hey. Welcome. Um, Jeff, this is Sarah. Sarah, this is Jeff. Hi. Um, Jeff, did you play Anthem? Uh, a little bit, yes. Okay, do you remember if you chose a male or female uh, freelancer? You know where this is going. <laughs> so just, you know, be gentle. It's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to say female, and I think it was the best voice acting oh, I've ever heard. Oh my God, game, Stop it. Now you're being mean to me. <laughs> I know when I'm being macked. No. Okay, here we go. Community questions. Uh, Sarah, remember all these. Remember which one's your favorite, please. It's very important. Uh, okay. There's a huge prize. Okay, first question comes from Charles Davis, who writes in. He says, I have a game for you to enjoy. It's called GG Muppets GG. There are no right or wrong answers, no winners or losers, just some good old-fashioned imagined fun. I'm going to name a game slash universe, and I want you all to think of the Muppets version of this video game and who would be oh. cast as who. Oh, wow. Okay, there's a lot. Oh, my God. There's a lot of options here. We can't run through all these. Oh, there are uh, options. They gave us the options. They did. Oh, great. Okay, well, let's, okay. Start, let's start with this one. You know, based on your charity stream uh, there, Sarah, uh, Final Fantasy mm. VII. Uh -huh. If you're making the Muppets Final Fantasy VII, which for the record, they should absolutely do. Yeah, 1,000%. All right, what do we get? Cloud is Kermit. Is that too basic? I, that seems right. Let's move them if we have to. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. no. I mean, he's just so yeah. sweet natured. Is there someone more angsty? Yeah, Cloud's not really, like, Cl Kermit's kind of the leader, right? Kind of. But Barrett's way too, like, gruff for Cloud. This is hard. This it is, is hard. hard. <laughs> um, well, who's Piggy? Would that be is Piggy? Go ahead. I'm tempted to go Aerith, right? But just for like the classic princess. I'm thinking Jesse. Jesse, right. there's Wedge if you wanna, you know, I don't mean to be a monster, but I was proportionally. Thinking Tifa. I think Tifa, there's something yeah. to like kick ass yeah. Miss Piggy when she's yeah. like, hey, yeah. Like that is yeah. exactly Tifa's cup Very of tea. Charge. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's no, I would love to see that. I would yeah. love to see that. And then Ralph is red 13. Is that the way that works? <laughs> is that obvious? Yeah. I yeah. Guess so. Sure. All right, Kyle, Legend of Zelda. Okay. Well, right. you're going to get specific for me, though, right? Like, No, I just mm -hmm. take it. Just run with that ball, any, dude. Any. You are Zelda of choice. 
That's not. Yeah. Okay. They're 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 different people, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is going to be um, Breath of the Wild Muppets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Link doesn't oh, talk. Oh, you're. So, oh, what do you think oh, I'm doing okay. here? So you want me to do the whole <laughs> cast, right? Sure. <laughs> Link is like the human person, right? The sort of you know. Oh yeah. The, okay. Or the human, the um, J- Jason's friend from the recent Muppets movie. Oh yeah, who was really good. At right, Jason's um, friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actor on, Jason Siegel's Muppet friend. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember the character's name. Oh okay, <laughs> the worst puppet name of all time, Jason's friend. Jason's friend. Yeah. <laughs> I think I honestly okay. miss Piggy. I think as Zelda in Breath of the Wild, because her in in that instance in Breath of the Wild, she does get frustrated and annoyed with the people mm-hmm. around her. And okay, think, nice. you know, Miss Piggy can get frustrated and annoyed yeah. with the people. Mm-hmm. Around her. It is her right and her privilege. And then Rolf is the bird with the accordion, whose name I can't remember. You know, because he mm-hmm. gives you like words of wisdom occasionally, mm. and he plays music. Mm. Uh, yeah, but he kind of already looks like Gonzo, though. <laughs> Don't you think you should just yeah, take that? It's close enough. Playing yeah. spirit first. We're doing spirit casting. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, Gonzo's um, uh, the the, gosh, I, I uh, Beetle, the Beetle character who's like the selling you weird stuff mm. that you just see everywhere yes. you go, who just happens mm. to show up everywhere. Genuinely, um, like for the franchise that Muppets could tackle next for making their version of, I mm. really think Muppets Legend of Zelda could be top yeah. tier. Like, unexpected, people would get buzzing about it, where if they do, I don't know, what's a more boring one? Muppets Peter Pan or something? I'm sure they've already done that. Like, barely people would give a crap. But something like when this? You, yeah. When you just said that, it made me think of Gonzo as, like, the dwarven seller in God of War, which makes me want to see a Muppets God of War. Yes, perfect. Be, <laughs> Please really. make it happen. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, Flaming Queso writes in and says, Sarah, I would love to know how you got into voice acting and if it was something that took a lot of practice. Did you have to record yourself, listen back and try and improve? Did you get a coach? And what is your biggest advice for someone that is trying to get into voice acting? Okay, let's start your origins here first. Oh, this is such a, I'm trying to make, over the years, one day I'll have like a really short, nice, tidy packaged answer for this because my tendency is just to be like, I was born and then, Uh so... Okay, getting into voice acting. Well, we already said I like discovered. Okay, I first pictured game voice actors as a living from Kotor. I was like picturing mm. Jennifer Hale going in and being Bastel, and I was like, that seems like a great job. Um, so that was Revelation one. Earlier than that was Revelation of like what you can do with your voice, which would be Mark Hamill and Full Throttle. I was like, I love Luke Skywalker, who is mm. this like silky villain dude. That's oh very different. God. That seems great. Um, so those were two major game epiphanies. D- playing with my voice, doing radios dramas in college. Um, I then went to, um, when I moved to New York after school, I messed around with a bunch of different things and kind of like a discovered that I loved games very much. And that was like a place I could see myself. And also just that the practice of auditioning as a lifestyle, like as a living, as the thing that you do 90% of the time was most tolerable to me in voiceover compared with like theater and other things, even though when you get into a production of theater, it's fun and great. Yeah. Um, and then I did get a coach. I like met, I found a consultant um, who became my manager. She uh, eventually got me auditions. I worked with a commercial coach for a very long time. Um, she got me my first representation in New York with Innovative. Um, I started doing indies from my home studio in New York. Um, I started going to games conferences and getting on Twitter and going to meeting games folks as kind of like a whole separate games pe- like process than just the normal voiceover stuff. And then... Um, Eventually, I got a meeting with SBV here in Los Angeles. They were my dream agency because of all my favorite games people here. And then um, and they took me on. So I moved out here and that's been that. Do you think Gone Home was the biggest, what was the biggest accelerant in your career? Was that number one? That's a really, probably. 
I don't know. I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, it's certainly like a, a game that still means something to people and means some meant something to other people when I would say that I was in it then. Um, so yeah, I would say so probably. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah, um, I did. I like. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, do you think did somebody compliment your voice early on? Do you think no. you didn't have a moment of just like you, you know you're talking in class and the substitute teacher was like oh no Sarah my God what a, what a voice on you no no oh. and no have you been listening to me this entire podcast it's good um, it's good voice no <laughs> I no I um no no one's ever been like you have an amazing voice I mean maybe once or twice like if I put it on I have like a car voice that sometimes is you know whatever buy a Ford you know like that's that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. um so that if that comes out people will comment on that but yeah. uh, no I was only ever no one ever like said you should do this. <laughs> I was like, I went to do this. What um, um, what did the coach yeah. teach you? What notes are shareable in any way for other folks out there? Sure. Um, commercial copy is a bear. It's really challenging. It's really interesting. Um, naturalizing product copy and making it sound like you're just telling your friend what's good is a is a is a technical skill. Um, so practice that. <laughs> practice picking someone specific. As with all voiceover, pick someone specific that you're talking to. You can. It's very easy to hear when someone's speaking sort of generally in the abstract to someone versus like me saying, hey, dude, like you should get this thing. I think you'll really enjoy it. So um, practice picking something, someone specific in your life to address. Um, that's a big one. Yeah. What else? That's really good. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great tip for sure. Um, and then the last part of Flaming Case, the question was, mm. yeah, f- biggest advice for someone who's interested in this type of thing. Oh my God. Um, yes. Do get some kind of setup. And pre- I think the big thing would be, um, okay, two things I'll say, get comfortable with a microphone. Um, just get there's the, even other actors who come from other disciplines. They'll sometimes they'll get into a booth and they find it very claustrophobic all of a sudden. Mm. And what you want to do is spend enough time in there um, and play time in there to feel it's like, Ooh, this is my freedom zone. Like this is my happy spot where I get to do all the things where it suddenly feels like the universe is your oyster instead of like, I'm in a tiny box. <laughs> um, Cause you can hear that in your voice. Um, so get comfortable with a microphone, get comfortable playing with your dynamics and like, and just like enjoy the microphone as your friend. That's just time and practice. Um, and then the other thing I like to do to recommend to people is parroting stuff. Like I'll play video games. I'm, I sound really, um, funny in my own house because I will just pair it back to the television, either movies or TV or games, like what they say and just doing that. So you get used to hearing what an effort sounds like, for example, um, you know, if someone takes a hit, I'll be like, you know, just whatever it is so that you get used to sounding silly. You don't even think about it. That's the job is to sound really dumb and look dumb and not care. Um, so get used to making those sounds, figuring out where their sounds come from, how, what kind of intensity matches the situation that you're seeing on screen. Um, that's just a really low hanging fruit way to get good with that that's fascinating so even like outside of what you should call them efforts was that the word yeah efforts or exertions or emotes there's okay. a lot of different words for them but that's all the sounds that you're like all right now we're going to do a sound set of you sprinting now we're going to do you're going to fall from a height of 10 feet no damage just hit the you know whatever now you're going to blah 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 right, all right. efforts that's wild uh mm-hmm. jeff um, do you feel like you're friends with your microphone are you at that level yet sir <laughs> okay no there's a long way to go <laughs> Still, uh, I think frenemies uh, is the level. Enemies to lovers, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Mackenzie Bayer writes in and says, hello, love the show. Thank you, Mackenzie. She says, I'm a new patron and I'm happy to be supporting you. Thank you. Uh, I've been pretty stressed lately, what with college and working two jobs. I barely have time to play anymore. So I figured maybe I'd try to squeeze some gaming time in on my lunch break, which is like 30 minutes. What games would you recommend? I'm looking for something simple and quick to pick up and put down. Tricky. Is it? I'd assume she has a Switch. Mm. Right? I, all my Ooh. answers are actually mobile. Ooh, yeah. What do you got? 
I mean, I like I these are short games that have tiny rounds if you want, but I regularly spend 30 minutes on a pop on like drop seven or threes. Like I'll just get lost in that stuff for a long time. (laughs) So that is as long or short a session as you need. And they're both great. Yeah, that's true. Listening to a podcast and playing threes, it's really tough to beat that. And I love that threes is Mm -hmm. still such a pure experience where for years I've been obsessed with Bejeweled Blitz on my phone. And now it's just like this gross version where the ads are constantly popping in. You can tell it's built for several iPhones ago, so the aspect ratio is all warped. It's just like this broken experience, mm-hmm. but threes is still just bliss. Smooth as butter. Butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, threes is great. I mean, if, if you like puzzle games like Picross, there's a thousand Picrosses available. You can get mm-hmm. through a puzzle or two pretty quickly, but it is like an, an acquired taste for sure. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily something you'd want to try a few puzzles and see if you like it, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, not just because I'm 8-bit was uh, supporting them in a big way and you can buy the physical edition, but like something like Grindstone, especially if you have a Switch, playing Grindstone on Switch, like that'd be a, that'd be a cool way to go. You know, yeah. to subscribe to Apple Arcade yeah, but, for it. Yeah. I was okay. going to say Hades is kind of yeah. about that 30-minute... Sorry. <laughs> Muting. <laughs> fine. Muting! Uh, I think, yeah, I guess... Uh, some of those runs can get a little bit longer in Hades, but I guess since it's single player, you can just pause it though, like and come back yeah. to it later. But that's a good one, yeah. Or or like um, Animal Crossing, if you want to continue making course. progress each day, you know, that's yeah. like a half hour check in. You're right. Yeah, that's the correct answer. Uh, Beefcake says, hello, everybody. With the news of the Mass Effect remaster, fans of the series are very excited. I have no connection to these games when they were released. I had quit playing to focus more on my social life, and it wasn't worth it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry you're the Beefcake. Uh, what are your video game blind spots where, for some reason or another, oh, yeah. you just didn't play these video games? Tough one. Big blind spots. What jumps out for you, Sarah? I haven't played a Zelda. <laughs> oh, that's why you weren't chiming into help Kyle. Nope, had nothing thing. to add there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've never played a Zelda. I don't know why. That's int- I mean, I, do you have a Switch? I do, actually. You should I just, played a lot of Animal Crossing. You should jump into thing. Breath of the Wild. Just give yeah, it a whirl. I reckon I should. Yeah, I believe it. Good. People say that to me, and I believe them. Okay, <laughs> you're busy. I understand. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good blind spot, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big Mine blind spot. Like, yeah. That it, yeah, that is big. I mean, mine, yeah. mine, I feel like it's pretty big too. It's like single player Blizzard stuff, hmm. like you know, the Diablos, hmm. the the original Warcrafts. Hmm. Like, I haven't touched any of those things. So just like the know, campaigns like, and Blizzard stuff. Yeah, like I think I started a Diablo two game a couple years ago because I was like, I feel like I'm missing something here. But like, yeah, I, I've, I, it, it makes me like a weird non Blizzard fan. I never got into World of Warcraft. Like, you know, it's like it's a big one for me, which is like a, they're huge. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did EverQuest, and then I could never join any MMOs were off the table for a while. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the dark side. Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think biggest for me is Castlevania, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I've dabbled with like Castlevania 1. I'm sure on like an emulator at some point. I've, I started Symphony of the Night, but it was like Ronnie and I drinking beer. We made it like half an hour, and we're like, this is hard. Moving on. Um, also... I just think vampires are lame. And so I don't, I'm not attracted to the lore of Castlevania. I, I, I'm not into it. So you don't like the sort of gothic architecture? Not into like it. Into not into it. Because it's not, it's not a vampire lore thing. It's not about vampires. You know mm. what I mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like Dracula's the end boss, but you're not getting into the lore of how vampires work. It's all about interacting with various monsters in a gothic setting. I like know? some of those universal monsters. If I could just carve up the cast and remove any vampires completely, <laughs> then I might be more on board. Yeah. 
Uh, like a really timelessly relevant metaphor for sexually transmitted infections. <laughs> yeah, something about that just about. isn't fun. I don't know. Maybe I'm uptight. <laughs> Missing out. Yeah. Hey. Uh, um, it's fun. I miss I, I all of horror is my blind spot. Also, Ooh. like I, I would love to love horror. I think there is so much. And actually, being in horror, I mean, speak, you asked what additional voices was. I, I was an, an infected in Last of Us too, and it was so much fun, so much fun, and so psychologically rich. Actually, even for just a little creature voice, um, which I can get into if you want. They had a lot of things to say, and they wanted to get in there. But, um, but yeah, so much rich, wonderful storytelling in horror games, and I just am too squeamo. I'm a little too squeamish. I get and it. I, you know, or you mentioned phasmophobia. I was like, that sounds fun. I wish I could. Don't do that Dang. one. Yeah, that was a, a nightmare yeah. for the one streamer I tried it. So is it? Okay, so you're brought in to do additional voices for Last of Us Part mm-hmm. Two, and then is it like mm-hmm. a big moment of like, and you're going to be infected? Is like, dang it, I was actually hoping to say words right. here. No, I, that one I did. I auditioned for, and I felt like that stage of infected was the was the one that um, I felt most comfortable in. So I wasn't really surprised when I went in. Um, and it was like it's a run. I was a runner, so I was like, I'm just gonna say this because I'm so I'm so impressed with them because these. So at that stage of infection, if you didn't know this already, stop me. That like the they're still conscious. They're still sort of aware of what they're doing, and they're tortured by it. So. There's aggression and there's the need to attack and all the other stuff that comes with the infection. But they also hate that they're doing this to other people. Um, they're in a lot of pain. They're in a lot of personal agony. Um, so they had all of those things in this thing where they wanted sounds of like remorse and and desire to connect. I mean, like, I, you know, it's, it was just um, for a, car- a creature voice. It was really dynamic and really fun. And on top of that, they had this whole heart rate system, which you may or may not have heard yeah. about where they right, which which also applied to enemy types. So which I think is so it's an amazing thing to try and implement. I can't believe they did it. That is like what happens when you have resources and genius and time. But um, the way that that makes everything or the efforts that we were talking about so psychological there's no just like baseline sprint you're sprinting because you're afraid of something you're worn out and you're like like every single stage that you're working on every degree of how fast your heart rate is going is tied to an emotional reaction it's fear it's panic it's aggression so everything suddenly i think playing that game and hearing the breath from everybody it's we're doing work on you um, like and you're matching it that you may not even be consciously aware of but i think is such a smart amazing way to approach all the efforts and certainly um, it was a joy to do as an enemy type. So my character had, even as an enemy, was just like, here, here's your heart rate here. Here's this. Here's oh, that. Oh, that's so wild. It I, was great. I'm sure this is your worst nightmare, and I'm sorry. But can you remind us what a runner would sound like? Don't blow your voice out. I'm going to blow it, the mic out. <laughs> my voice. It's the, I don't know how to even get it that low. Just Is there like a, a hint so you could refresh our memory of what it actually sounded like? I can try. Okay. Not, I don't even know how low to take this now. All right. Let's try here. Something like that? Yep, you brought us all back. I remember now. That was, yeah, yeah. that was intense. Yeah, we didn't like intense. you. We didn't like you at all in the game. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, uh, in- I, did, I, I did a really joking, I added, they sent me a clip because I could. I didn't even recognize myself in the game. I played the whole, like, the whole game and I was like, did you cut me again? <laughs> it was like a cut from Uncharted 4 and I was so sad. No! Um, yeah, but uh but no, they sent me, so they sent me an instance, which is so nice of them, which is not something that happens, certainly for additional voices. They sent me a little, like, instance of me running around and Ellie beating the heck out of me. Um, and I added captions for all of what I imagined that she was saying. Like, I wish we could be friends! <laughs> like, come talk to me! <laughs> <laughs> underneath all of her screams. Perfect. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, e. Clark here. He says, Sarah, I loved your performance in Anthem. How close to a Ooh. game... To a game, okay. How close to a game's launch do they wrap up on the VO side? It seemed like the production of Anthem was pretty tight. Is that varying case by case? Do you have any insight yeah. into that? 
It varies case by case. And especially with Anthem, where they're pushing updates and things, like it's, oh, yeah, we were recording after launch as well. Um, So, I mean, I will say that performance capture, uh, that's a lot more moving parts. And so you do tend to kind of lock that stuff. I mean, we did pickups. We did, things changed and we would come back and reshoot some stuff. But that stuff tends to get locked a little bit earlier, I would say. You can you can drop in voiceover, booth voiceover on the fly pretty easily. Um, it, yeah, it really depends. I mean, most developers do push voiceover later because they want to maximize the booth time and use stuff that's going to be final. And so they kind of wait till a lot is locked. Till then, I would say, though, that when you do, this is now me talking to developers out there. Uh-huh. When you do cast early and get a few sessions under there, you might find character discoveries that come from your performers. You might hear things in the voice that you want to tweak and pick up. And so pushing it to the end, you don't really have that kind of flexibility. So I think getting a little bit of a head start and then picking up more toward toward the latter end is a good way to go. Gotcha. That's my consultant hat. It's off now. No, nope, we appreciate it. Um, you're welcome to remain completely silent if you'd like, but have they talked to you about Anthem next and bringing you back in for a bigger overhaul? Do you know that on the horizon you might be doing something? I'm going to, should I Glomar this? I'm going to Glomar this. Glomar? What is that? You you said, you used it about your own yeah, plug. I said it earlier. Kyle knows. Oh. I can neither confirm nor deny mm. anything at all. Ever. All right, there we go. In my life. <laughs> the Anthem next. Oh, this American Life episode. That's it, right. Response. Oh, they, sorry. It's great. Yeah. I missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, sh- I, I, yes, I'm, I think that's safe. I don't know. I have not been, I have not been marketing primed for anything. So I'm just going to say that. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Uh, James mm-hmm. Smith writes in. He says, hey, podcast party people. Hi. Hi, James. We're partying here. Um, what do you think about the Stadia news? Uh, and what does it mean for the developers that they acquired? Are they, are they going down with the ship or will they get sold off to some other publisher? So just to catch everybody uh, back up here, what, starting in 2019, uh, they announced Google Stadia and we're making an internal development studio. We have Jade Raymond on. We're buying these other teams, bringing folks in. I mean, Shannon Studstill, who's the head of Sony Santa Monica, she went over to Google to help build up this team. She's a super talented studio head. She's been around forever. Um, and now they say, yeah, we're just going to kind of license and work with our tech with other people. Kind of like, you know, I guess the modern LucasArts games. Like, we're not going to have a Lucas Games or LucasArts internal team. We're just going to contract out. Um, so what does it mean for the developers that they acquired? That's a great question. Kyle, do you have thoughts on this? I mean, I th- it seems like they're just getting let go, yeah. which sucks. And that's a huge bummer. But yeah, this whole thing is weird. I mean, everyone kind of jumped on it as like, Stadia's dead, throwing up their hands. Like, it's over, which I, I don't think that's true necessarily, right? I mean, Stadia is still going to be around. There were just a number of projects in development that I was really mm-hmm. excited about. I really wanted to see what Shannon said Studstill was working on. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. that was like the biggest heartbreak of this whole thing was like, well, you know what? Let me rephrase that because like it sucks that everyone's losing their job. But right. like from from just a perspective of like, oh, I want to see what they were working on. Her, whatever project she was working on, that was the thing I was most bummed that we're not going to get to see, you know? Or even like Kim um, Swift, like, you know, designer of Portal. Yeah, like she was over yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's strangely but, uh, enough, there's a lot of like great female developers is who Google yeah. seemed to be prioritizing. And so now it sucks. Yeah. So like, oh, I guess they're all going to find new jobs, hopefully. It almost feels like they just didn't. I mean, this is all just me making assumptions about things, but it just seems like I don't think they knew like how long right. it was going to take. Right. You know, because I mean, if you hire Shannon Studstill to make a game, like you're looking at like a minimum of three years, right? right. Like at the yeah. least. Yeah. And like, I, it feels who I, maybe this isn't true at all but it feels like they were they've been kind of like surprised by just how long it takes to gain traction and get things moving and for stadia to find an audience and like you know have games ready for it i mean it's it's a bummer because i 
on the one hand, I think that there could be some good stuff with like the Stadia tech going to other people might lead to cool things, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And Stadia is still a good platform, but yeah, it's it's a bummer that whatever they were working on is just out the window now. And I don't think I, w- I wish those studios would get sold. I know Embracer is uh, very interested <laughs> in buying up studios right now. They're just buying everybody. They bought Gearbox. Um, I know it's wild. That's you know? insane. Yes, what? I can't believe yeah. it. Yeah, when did that happen? Last night. Yeah, oh my last god. Night, I think. I know. I wow. saw the headline this morning, and I was losing my mind. I'm like, oh, how's everybody? No, nobody talking about this, and I guess it just happened last night, and I missed the big explosion. The, who is this? It was like midnight. So they yeah. are the um, what's their THQ code? Nordic. Yes. Yeah. Oh. The confusing THQ Nordic financial entity that apparently has an endless supply of money to buy every property known to man. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know they were also the THQ Nordic guys who have been yeah. buying up studios left and right too. So. Are they like a Tencent competitor? I mean, I don't. I the Scandinavian like Tencent, yeah. they call them. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but mess. yeah, I mean, I, I that's what I would want. I would like other you know publishers or you know people like Embracer to buy whatever those yeah. studios were working on. Kevin Holmes. Pessimistically, I just I don't think that's happening. I think people are just going to be like, oh, and yeah, they'll have to find jobs elsewhere, which I'm hopeful that they can, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty assumed, but I've heard that things are pretty chaotic right now, like inside those teams about just like, what is going on? Sure, they were blindsided too, right? Who knows? Like it's not like they got a heads up. Yeah, so I wonder, I mean, so they're still going to keep up the work that they have with other teams, I'd imagine, right? Like Harmonix was making a Stadia game, Q Games was making a Stadia wow. game. I'd imagine since those aren't internal, they would still keep right. those rolling. I don't know. As long as Stadia Who itself knows? continues. Yeah, so it's such yeah. a yeah. That case. that's kind of the big, always the big question with Google whenever they launch yeah. some big initiative. Like, mm-hmm. and anytime that anytime that they launch something, you know, it's good for their company, and I'm sure it's in good for investments and stuff. But then if it, if they feel it's not paying off, like right. they have no qualms about just abandoning stuff. And yeah, yeah. And also on top of this. This year, they're going to make us start paying for Google Photo storage, which really chaps my ass. Not a fan. <laughs> I've been using that so much, and now it's like, oh, God, all right. I guess you'll have my subscription money to store all of my memories, Google. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, it's just so weird. Like, you're a huge – you are Google. The idea that you can't treat video games as a serious, like, category and process to just sort yeah. of learn about these time, like It just seems, like, astonishing to me <laughs> that you wouldn't, like – have a concept of what you're getting into. Like, what is it about yeah. games that everyone's like, it'll be easy. And you're like, hello, what? Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you saw it. Like uh-huh. at, at Bloomberg, uh, Jason Schreier had an article talking about the inside scoop on Amazon. And I'm sure there's a lot of um, right. connections and analogies you can make between you know Google and Amazon trying to get into games here. But uh, from Amazon's point of view, it was just fascinating because the article, the head of Amazon games, I forget his name now, but it very much seemed to be that case that he was, you know, disconnected from the world of game development, didn't understand how it worked and just was constantly pivoting of like, hey, we should make a Call of Duty competitor because they make a lot of money. And it's like, I'm sure the developers are like, yeah, man, we've been in the industry. Yeah. We, we've we already climbed this hill and failed. Like you cannot yeah. do it. Let's try and get smarter. And Yeah, I think yeah. I saw something. And actually the last time that I probably have spoken to Shire or Shire, they were like the last time I was on split screen I yeah. guess was I was like the headline was like Stadia and then it was like also talking to Sarah and Anthem <laughs> that was like two seconds ago you guys what? <laughs> come on Lord. Uh, boy uh, Jonathan Fenn writes in he says hey everybody this past week saw the release of the fantastic Heaven's Vault on Switch and I saw a lot of people on Twitter urging everyone to check out this underappreciated gem with that in mind 
If you had the power to force everyone in the world to play through the entirety of any game, which would it be? Could be a hidden gem or an obscure favorite from childhood, whatever you want. So everyone in the world had to play through this. I feel like you have to use it for good, you know? You can't just be like, yeah. well, the new God of War is really good, so you should do it. Like, if you have the power to influence everyone in the world, you got to, like, make them play everything or something, that game that Double Fine published. Like, something that'll kind of have an emotional impact right. on their mind or something, right? I've been trying to get my brother to play everything for a while. He's like a huge Alan Watts fan. I was like, play the game, <laughs> dummy. Um, well, everything is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah my, my answer, I'm afraid, is pretty basic, probably. Hang on, let me guess. Portal? Mm. That's a nice, uh, that's a good idea. It wasn't it, uh, but. Tetris? Idea. No. Mario? I'm a, let's lean hard into my dumb, dumb voice actor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, what is I it... really want is for everyone to experience boob physics. That's what I <laughs> would love the most, actually. Um, no, it, I think I'm going to say I'm oh, stopping you guess. Uh, I think I think it would be Last of Us. And it's for a mm. very specific reason. I think that that game does something for understanding and utilizing and kind of unpacking gaze in a way that I think is really essential to us moving forward as a society. <laughs> like, G-A-Z-E, yes? Yes. Okay. The, you know, you have these two characters, you, you are empathizing and or identifying with them at different points in the story. They're, the moment where you move from Ellie back to Joel, I think is a really profound and unsettling kind of spiritual experience where you feel more connected to Ellie's experience still, but you're playing as Joel and Joel is being sweet, but not getting her trauma and not connecting with her anymore right. and not able to walk with her in that path. And so you feel this kind of residual experience of being Ellie, but you're playing Joel and these characters, the way that they relate to each other and see each other. And certainly the ending is all about like who, how do these people see each other? I think that if we can all understand gaze in, in our media, if we can understand how it works in life um, and how we see each other and the subjectivity of it and how to kind of like, unpack it and understand it i think that would be a boon yeah so I, that's my reason yeah and also i just and think it's have that unique opportunity to put you mm -hmm. in someone else's shoes right in a real way that yeah. other media doesn't yeah yeah so my answer is is more was thinking about like trying to elevate the medium of video games like mm. what would people who think video games are stupid you know mm. like like a, a much less noble pursuit, certainly. But I was like the game because I think about it a lot. With Stop like, justifying us. We are that. No, yeah. let's leave. The, you know, because I always think about it in terms of like, what would I want my parents to play so they could understand yeah. that like video games are cool. And my the ones that I always go to in my head are Portal Two because mm -hmm. the writing is just so amazing mm -hmm. and the sort of mechanics of it are so incredible and mind shifting. Yeah, and then JK. also, um, like play dead stuff limbo and inside it's just Ooh, so like yeah you know just like this is art man sure. <laughs> you know it's kind of my approach yeah yeah what would that be like just hey 90 year old grandma from germany now play through inside i mean if you're forcing everybody to play inside that's a weird tone for the world to absorb it is, yeah it's kind of wild it's a horrifying game yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say playing game playing gone home with my dad was a big deal i think that was his light bulb oh. Actually, that oh. was pretty special. Oh, that's, that's really awesome. That. That's yeah. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Top that, Jeff. Yeah. Um. Uh, I was going to say Journey. Ooh, yeah. that's great. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. But you have to play with someone on the opposite political spectrum as you two. Oh, interesting. Can I okay. add that? Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. It probably wouldn't go well, but it wouldn't <laughs> well, fix you know, The game doesn't give you any affordances for talking to it. doesn't matter, yeah, exactly. does it? Exactly. So it would just you be know. like at the end, it would just pop up on the screen and it would be like, you've played with 
Bernie Sanders sixty nine and right, GOP right. all day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> did you did any of you play Way uh, Way? Way? I don't think so. Way is by it's I don't know if it was technically a student game at the time, but it was um Chris Bell who went, you know, who was a designer on Journey. And it was very I think that's why they hired him. Mm. But it's very similar. If you haven't played Way, I don't even know if you can anymore. Who's playing it now that you would get that you get paired with somebody? Just really quick, but like you, it's a platformer and it's two, and it's multiplayer. You have one other person and you get partial information in your own screen. So the other person has to, you're relying on the other person to communicate to you. You're like, is there an invisible platform here? Jump now, blah, blah, blah. But you, all you have, you can't talk, but there is a movement set that's very, very fluid. It's not really just codified gestures. It's like pretty open-ended. So you have to kind of build a communication style on the fly to get each other to navigate through to the end of the stage. Um, and then at the end, there's a map, a global map, and you kind of, most people like draw or squiggle or write or just point where they are in the world. And um, that's cool. pretty great. Huh. It's very good. And that's like way as in wait or way as in way What's out? The, way, the way out. You know, not that game. The other way. Way. W-A-Y? Let's spell it. W-A-Y. W-A-Y. <laughs> okay, okay, the, way to the way to the, the end of the level is this way. <laughs> that's, that's the best way to put it. Sure. Hey, hey, speaking of the way to the end of the level, Kyle, have you checked out Pedestrian yet? That puzzle game? Uh, no. Is it? Where is it? I don't like know. What um, I played it on Steam. I believe it's on PlayStation 5. So this is the game where you play as okay. like basically, um, you know. Uh, like the, little, like the, the character and the, the pedestrian signs and stuff, right? Like, yeah. If you ever see a person on a sign, you play as that yeah. and you're jumping between different signs. But it's crazy because it's like oh, cool. these um, complex puzzles where you're rearranging things, connecting this door to this door, getting this key, blah, 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 blah. It gets surprisingly hard, surprisingly quick. But the wild part is like you're just playing on the 2D plane of these signs but they're plastered over like the starting area is just like this factory. And so just production wise, I'm fascinated by it. Cause you're just going from one sign to the other by running to the right. But then as you transition, the camera's like flying around this factory to show you the next sign. So just the art assets are like, they are making all of these crazy environments only for the sake of putting a 2d sign in a tiny part of it that you're playing on. It's really yeah, crazy stuff. I that's love that energy. I love that energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's impressive. I think that's great. <laughs> Wait, who's the developer for that? What that's is a that? great question. I don't know, but pedestrian, yeah, it's called, it's called pedestrian. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff, I'm curious what yeah, you would think of it. I've seen look awesome. Yeah. I need to check it out. It's in my queue. Oh, good. Great. Uh, Ben Shively has just a layup, just an easy one. He says with mass effect, having its upcoming remastered trilogy, which other series would you want to have this impressive of a remaster treatment to? I personally don't understand why EA hasn't already done this for Dead Space. 100%. I think Dead Space is probably next in EA's queue if Mass Effect mm. does well, right? Hmm. I hope so. Yeah, what else I mean, do you think of? I. It's very much a thing that I'm experiencing right now, but there's not a good way to play, like, past Silent Hills. Like, Silent mm-hmm. Hill 2, I've mm. just gone through, like, hell to try to play it recently because I read Mike Drucker's book. Oh yeah, and like I like, and they tr- they did that one remaster for 360 and PS3, but like it did stuff like remove the fog or like really make the fog way less dense, which is like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, what's like, Silent Hill without the fog? And I, this is someone who hasn't yeah. played horror games, but what's Silent Hill without the fog? <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, like you just look at a screenshot and you're like, this game would be a lot different if you could see through the PC. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a big one for me. But it's also like very much on my mind. Yeah, like I'm thinking about Silent Hill a lot, and it's like. I had to like buy it off eBay for Xbox and hook up my 360 mm. and like just like, you know, going through Googling and stuff. It's like everyone is like, Konami, what are you doing? Like, just re-release mm. this thing. You know, yeah. it's it's that seems it's like important. important. It's like, yeah, it's, it's important. important game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And imagine yeah, people that's, be able that's to play. Mine. Yeah. I would think we have that, such an archival problem in games. It's annoying. 
Oh, anyway. yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of which, you know, Gearbox's Battleborn just went offline on, yeah. on Sunday, which is... Talk about, I was having like anthem terrors. I was just like, this will be the same day, you know, and it was because it was Aaron, Lindy, I assume, yeah. you know, those tweets and I, and I, you know, yeah, yeah, broke, breaking my heart. Yeah, it's sad to see yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, sorry, anybody else? Jeff, do you have a remaster idea? No, Kyle, Kyle poisoned my mind earlier when he brought up Silent Hill like in our in our chat group and yeah. that was my pick too that was like oh man i would if you bundled like those first three games or whatever before they mm. got up you know kind of went in different directions and mm-hmm. stuff like i would play those again too because the second one was one mm-hmm. of my was one of those pivotal games for me yeah. when i was you know a teenager yeah how is uh how is that book for mike drucker who is the comedy writer and he's also he was a guest on crossfade our music podcast talking about weird yeah. hell <laughs> I talking about Weird Al, is that what you said? Yeah, it was. So the Crossfader <laughs> really? music podcast, we have a guest and they choose an album for the host to review and vice versa. And it what just so mean? happened. Which one did you pick? Uh, oh, Weird Hair Day? Bad yes! Hair Day? Is that what it is? I have an autographed copy of Bad Hair Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Amish Paradise. Yeah. But it was, it was great because it just anyway. so happened by random chance that that episode was Weird Al versus Steely Dan, which is a great discussion for music. Just covering that wow. range is perfect. That's yeah. As a Dan, as I was raised on, I just had a extended uh, Twitter convo with Kellen um, Goff. Is it? Is that how you say his last name? I don't know. Um, who, who is who does? By the way, speaking of creature voices and Last of Us, is like a boomer or something. Oh, I keeps. I've been playing Left 4 Dead. It's not <laughs> whatever. Bit um, one of the bigger guys. Um, yeah. uh, who's extraordinary. Um, but yeah, we were both raised on Dan by our dads, and so we're like. And I was like very close to setting up my rock band just to play Bodhisattva. Um, oh, that'd be good because it's so good. Anyway, oh, what it, I wish I'd been there. It would have been great. But yeah, Kyle, how's uh, Mike Trucker's book about Silent Hill? Is it funny? Sorry. I'm such a um, tangent. Master. That's fine. <clears throat> you know, it's it's a weird thing. There are these, he punctuates the chapters with like a punchline often, right? So there are these moments and like the ending is very, just the final word is very funny. Like he's a funny guy. It's a, it's, he writes in a funny way, but the majority of the book is not. It's like this, it's like a, it's like a master's degree thesis on what Silent Hill is about, which I really loved because like, I love Silent Hill too, but it's one of those games that kind of lives in my memory as like, I don't really know what I experienced over the course of that game, but it really made me feel uncomfortable in a way that very few video games have been able to repeat. So to have him like break down like exactly what was like, potentially going on there's still a lot of room for you know figuring things out in that game but to have him sort of really dig into it like i really appreciate it and really loved and it made me want to go back and replay the game even though it's been difficult yeah that's cool um boss fight books is that serious yes boss fight books yeah silent hill 2 by mike drucker i'd recommend it nice i think it's like it was like five bucks on kindle it's great Mm. oh sweet uh evan one sonic has a killer question he says hello everybody simple question is doing a backflip the coolest thing that someone can ever do? Uh, P.S. It is. <laughs> he says. <laughs> oh, it's pretty oh, sweet. Um, can anybody... That, uh, well, Adam it, Sandler's stand-up on Netflix has a whole extended bit about this. On backflips? <laughs> how it's the coolest yeah. thing? How he, like, wasted his life because he didn't learn how to do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think about it. Like, I remember my neighbor on the trampoline could do a backflip before anybody, I never was able to do any sort of flip on a trampoline, but automatically, it's like if you go over and do a backflip on a trampoline alone, you're champion of the neighborhood. That's like the coolest guy <laughs> move you can do. Or girl move. Backflips, hey, they don't see gender. <laughs> I, I, the fact that this is such a specific um, 
like question slash answered itself, just opinion makes me want to answer with an equally random, abstract, insistent, personal yeah. thing, which right. is like, and as someone who hasn't been able to dance in over a year, but I, I went in normal times, I tango. Ooh. Um, and so to me, my brain always goes to like, well, there's like individual virtuosity, but like to me, the real magic and like of being on this planet is like, how do you synchronize that with somebody else? So I would say, I would say tango is cooler than backflips, but that's just me in my opinion. Okay. So is there a certain move or just the general concept of tango that alone is cooler? You think? I mean, yeah, just doing it well. Like, like tango. That what's cool about tango is it's more than moves. Like, you can't. You when you watch tango, you're seeing maybe ten to twenty percent, depending of an iceberg, and everything else is the communication that's happening between these two people to synchronize. So it's not like you can lead and follow the degree and the quality and the size of every single step that you take. There's no patterns. I mean, there are there's sort of like re- repeating patterns that are common, but like there's no rule about what step follows what step. So everything that you do is absolutely synchronized and non-spoken and communicated basically through your chest and through other sort of aspects of touch and, and whatever and, and expression and musicality. So um, yeah, there's just universes on universes in every single thing that you do if you're really present and you're really together so i think that's a great answer i mean we have a show called better quest where every month we set like a new personal goal and my goal last month two months ago i forget what it was exactly but uh was to take a starting class in balboa dancing which is like a type of swing Um, and and as the most physically awkward person i think on earth it was like that was the epiphany is just realizing Mm -hmm. like oh there's a system to this mm-hmm. there's like a science to it so that you can sync up with anybody around the world if you both yeah. know these moves and just mm-hmm. subtle little hints will tell the person what to do it's cool that there's this a secret pattern out there that i didn't know existed i am it's the, i mean i've danced with so I, I was in argentina for a month before in like december of la, not last year but the year before right before lockdown and i cannot imagine I cannot imagine hugging strangers around the world this close. <laughs> like it's what a what a strange juxtaposition. Um, yeah, but many I don't speak Spanish. I should, given how much I love tango, it'd be res- the respectful thing to do, the logical thing to do. <laughs> but yeah, but the degrees of the kinds of relationships that I have with people that are narrow but very deep, without speaking the same spoken language, mm-hmm. is um are treasured to me. So yeah, yeah, tango's so, dope. So take that Evan One Sonic backflips, please. Who needs them? Well, what about? What about a coordinated like duo backflip? Two people doing a backflip at the same time. Right. I mean, Ooh. sure. Yeah. If you could find a way to bring tango into backflips, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I think that's out. the Lindy yeah. Hop. Tactically, uh, tactical dreamer writes in. He says, "Hello, cohorts. Um, did any of you check out the Balan Wonderworld demo?" He says it's kind of bad. It was the first time in a long while that I've played a game where controlling the character immediately felt terrible. I'm glad we got a demo though. Um, Kyle, this is from Yuji Naka, the Sonic creator. People are excited about mm-hmm. it. It looks like a wacky 3D platformer coming out this year. I forget exactly when. I think soon. Like March. It's called it's on my it calendar. I've pre-ordered it. I'm buying it. <laughs> Balan <laughs> Wonderworld. B-A-L-A-N. Wonderworld. It's a word we all use and know. <laughs> We're all familiar. Don't pretend. No. Man, no, 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 no. I, spell Balan. Like, <laughs> I... I played it with the kid and like honestly like I don't know man I was into it cuz it's so weird it is so strange it is it is uh, like it reminds me of the first time I played Knights into Dreams mm-hmm. and just being like oh my god this is like this is someone mm-hmm. sort of materialized a dream and printed it onto a disc and that's <laughs> this feels like an extension of that like what's there's a so disc <laughs> there's so many weird questionable decisions in that game of like like when you the the world 
actually kind of like I can't explain it. You no. just have to look at it. But it, it basically is like a globe, and like, but when you as you walk along along it, it feels like a flat platform. But like in the distance, you can kind of see like seeing like curling into horizon into the horizon. Okay. It's so weird. I don't. Even, it's like not. It, it it's distracting and strange, and it feels very dreamlike. And it then sounds like, like old Animal Crossing, like kids like walking into some creepy dreamlike world. I just I was getting Silent Hill vibes from it, <laughs> probably because I was just playing Silent Hill. But it's like this weird like the magician uncanny. is like saying, "Kids, come here. You're having a bad day. Come to Balan Wonderworld." And they like <laughs> enter through this mirror. It's so strange. It's so str- I'm. I will genuinely, definitely play it when it comes out because I'm just kind of enamored with how bizarre it is. Was your daughter into it? Yeah, yeah. We were. We were both like, just like our whole conversation was like, this is weird, right? This is a really weird game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We're both on the same page here. Balan fans number one and two, ready to go. Yeah, that's right. You're playing it on your own because you won't have any sanity check. <laughs> like, you're just like, <laughs> that's right, yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's, like, it's like the seizure warning at the front of a game. It's like make sure <laughs> someone's with you while you're playing. <laughs> anchor you in reality. It's very important. Yes. Have a buddy uh, system. Danny Yorkus writes in and says, "Hey friends, I have two questions." Maybe pick the one you think is more interesting. Oh, okay. Um, he asks, has anybody ever walked out of a movie? And if so, what was it? Uh, for me, it was The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember that one. I don't think I saw that. I walked out before I went to it. Um, Sarah, <laughs> does your mind jump someplace? Have you ever walked out I of did. a movie? I can only think, it's funny because I can only think of theater that I walked out in uh, on, on protest, which is so rude Ooh. as a, to other theater actors. Like, it, you, really, you really have to push me pretty hard to walk out. But but I did walk out of um, Master and Commander, just not, I went back in, but I walked out to faint on the floor of the movie theater lobby and then get up and refresh myself and then go back in. So I'm going to count that. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was so intense. There's- yeah, the with the mo- when they do like yeah the Russell Crowe movie when they do the brain surgery the like impromptu brain surgery on the boat and I was just like and I like got out of the thing I fell down on the floor no one said or did anything in the lobby I went to the bathroom I splashed cold water on my face and then I went back inside oh my god I've never seen that movie I didn't imagine there'd be a brain surgery scene yeah. there's a brain surgery it's oh, raw dude it is oh a raw god. movie it's Yeesh. real it's it's one of the best I mean sailors are always like this is the most authentic sailing movie. Yeah, um, there, it was it. it was in the news in the meme news recently. What was it like? Russell Crowe's like blasting some kid on Twitter because he didn't like it. Kyle, did you do you see this? <laughs> didn't like Master and Commander. There was <laughs> something. Hang on, let's let's get to the Sounds bottom. Like oh. I don't know him particularly well. Right. <laughs> Master and Commander Russell Crowe yeah, tweet. That's funny. There's some kid like saying that it sucked or something, and he would not stand. Okay, here we go. That's great. Variety wrote a huge article. Um, Variety. He said. Lo- oh, okay. Lots of folks complaining about lack of sleep during the pandemic. May I recommend Master and Commander, starring the usually captivating, attention-grabbing Russell Crowe, a Twitter user wrote, alongside a photo of Crowe in the film. I've never made it past the 10-minute mark. You're welcome. And thanks, Russell. Um, he tagged him in it. That's yeah. a big move. And then Russell Crowe <laughs> says, that's the problem with kids these days. No focus. Peter Weir's film is brilliant. An exacting, detail-oriented, epic tale of fidelity, the empire and service, regardless of the cost. Incredible cinematography by Russell Boyd and Majestic Soundtrack. Definitely an adult's movie. I think everyone then was having a field day with him empire saying... Empire is the big pitch on that one for me. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. Yeah, I that, fell asleep halfway through his tweet. Yeah, come on, <laughs> Russell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the problem with kids these kid, days. Clown on a kid. Do you think there's any universe we could hang out with Russell Crowe and it would go well? That sounds like a, a charged atmosphere where anything could happen. 
Yeah. yeah. We yeah. can be like Gladiator's cool, man. Good job. LA Confidential, baby. That That's my Russell Crowe pick. Mm, yeah. He's so, he's so touching in that movie. He was a great Jekyll and Hyde in the Mummy film. Uh, his finest role. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, Danny Yorkis, uh, movies you walked out of. I've only walked out of one movie. Normally I'll stick with it no matter what. But um, I walked out of Adam Sandler's animated film, Eight Crazy Nights, <laughs> which truly, truly sucked. Uh, it no one has ever talked about this movie since it came out. The fact that Adam Sandler, one of the most prolific filmmakers of our era, made this animated movie. I need to go back and rewatch it or try because I just remember being a kid and watching it and saying, "This is the least funny thing I could possibly imagine." So I remember walking out and going in and watching uh, the second half of Die Another Day, which I had already seen in theaters. We're like, "Yeah, I'll just watch this Bond movie again. It's better than freaking Eight Crazy Nights." So Amazing how good Goldeneye is, and then those other two are so soulless and perfunctory. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I hate And to, he's a great bond. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know. Anyway. This is a big pile of shame. This is like, you know, my Castlevania up there with it, but I have only seen Die Another Day twice for the entire Pierce Brosnan run of Bond. I've never seen any other Bond movie from the Brosnan run. Or you like I, Casino Royale, Royale, right? I really like Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've seen Campbell, man. Yeah. Right? Same, same director. director. That's true. Yeah. All right. I know it's you gotta see Goldeneye. I know, and I love the game Nothing so much. Else it's for the video game history. Yeah, like, I know come it's on. insane. Which, by the way, it's you, got Robbie Coltrane. It's got Minnie Driver as a bad Russian mistress. It's got so full of good stuff. All right, someone all right. shouts, "I'm invincible." It's good stuff. Yeah, Ellen Cumming is a Russian hacker. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, Jensen is just is a mood and a half. Talk about kink, kink revisiting. Yeah, no kidding. Did you yeah. uh, did you see that weird headline about how there is an XBLA old remake of Goldeneye that? is now out in the wild um, that they it never you know, saw the light of day but first videos were popping up on YouTube and now apparently the build is just out there I don't know who made it if it was like 4J or some other development studio but it's like a full remake of Goldeneye for 360 that never came out which is awesome yeah huh. that, that video is hard to watch man like honestly I was like I wish this existed I know I know mm-hmm. hey uh, Holden Hints here he says welcome to Holden Hints with Holden Hints we will be reading what parents determine is the spoiler-free takeaway from a few of IMDb's top 250 films of all time. If you can't, what is happening? Okay, so it's holding the hints. Come on, Sarah. Uh, if, you, if you can't get it from the message alone, just ask for some of Holden's hints, and I will tell you the listed discussion topics. Uh, these are all pulled from kidsinmind.com. So these are the messages as parents determined it, determined it of these movies according to kidsinmind.com. Okay, and then I'll get it. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so the, yeah. mes- the message of this film from the top 250 films of all time is de-extinction and cloning can be dangerous activities. So we guess the movie? Yeah. Come it's on. Jurassic Park. It's and Jurassic Park. Park, correct. Uh, discussion oh, topics... Pokemon, the first movie. <laughs> uh, discussion topics include courage, obsession... Regulation of Scientific Research. Ooh, okay. that's a hot film. Okay, the message for this film is world nations need to conserve resources and prevent war. But if war arises, women are capable of fighting as powerfully as male soldiers. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, uh, Avengers uh, Endgame? <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, discussion topics... I can see why you would think that, though. Yeah. Discussion <laughs> topics include, according to parents, these uptight parents, huffing, murderous gangs, 
tyrants, PTSD, justice, mental illness, destruction of society, and very key here, water shortages. Is it Fury Road? Fury Road! Kyle Hilliard! Way to go! Killing I knew Huffing it. was the key in, and I couldn't think of... <laughs> I knew that it. Was, that was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, witness me. Come on. Yeah, wit- yeah, I do. I witness you. <clears throat> okay. Message of this film. <laughs> this could be so many movies. <laughs> Some <laughs> things are better left alone. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on. Does anybody have a guess? That's like a parent who's never seen a movie being like uh, doing a recap. <laughs> um, some things are better left alone. Indiana Jones. I don't know. <laughs> leave the Nazis alone. Leave, uh, leave that relic where it is. <laughs> okay. Discussion topics include predators. Okay. Parasites. Corporate power. Winky wink. Following orders. Regulations. Quarantine. Is it eight? Kyle got it. Oh, Sarah, were you coming in with Alien too? I was coming in with Okay. Alien. I will trust but you you're coming in with thinking. Alien. Okay, here we go. Last one. The message is very specific. Parents must know that eventually they must let their children go. A parent's love can help them do extraordinary things. Our shortcomings can sometimes become our strengths. Holy God. Topics include... Parental love. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Avengers Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) Friendship. Guilt. Exploration. Ooh. Twelve-step program. Is Uh, it up? Close. So close. Pixar's up? Okay. Short-term memory loss. Oh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo! Way to go, Kyle. Killing tw- it. How does the 12-step yeah. program... I haven't... I don't know. What? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. So up was grief is kind of what I was right. going for. You right. know? Yeah. But what wow. is 12... Is there some oh, character that's addicted to something in Finding Nemo? Oh, the fi- uh, the sharks. Oh. Are they? They're addicted to eating fish. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. And they, they do have their program. Hmm. Sir, that was Jennifer a weird Hale. thing to call out. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know Jennifer Hale um, voice matches Ellen DeGeneres? No. So if you go on the oh, really? finding, I was I went to Disneyland with my brother because we went to do Galaxy's Edge again. Things you could I, we did just before the pandemic shut everything down. But um, yeah, if you go on the little submarine ride, it's Jen. And I was like, oh, Jen. Oh, that's funny. Do you uh, yeah. voice match anybody? I I'm gonna say this now because someone else said that they're part of it in the same movie. And they didn't get sued into oblivion. So I'm just going to... I did some voice matching for... Um, and it's uncredited. Um, so then they can have the credit. I'm just going to say it. But um, I did some voice matching for Michelle Williams and Venom. Oh, really? Oh, cool. That's awesome. And actually, the one line that is she, Venom, is actually me. So, yeah. Really? Okay, so yeah. I heard Troy Baker on a podcast talking about this. And I never really understood this. But how hmm. big of a part that is in the voice acting industry. I think this is my get a load of this from a while ago of like uh, voice actors being called in to do a lot of the efforts lines and stuff like that. But then also like lines that are in the trailer and key stuff like that. Right. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of ADR I do. And then especially for TV promo, which is like such fast turnaround and they just want like a quick pickup and they'll usually just take the audition. And they're like, eh, eh. Um, yeah, in that case I went in and I think they were mostly I think in the final movie um they mostly had her come in and do it but they were like testing out some script changes, like tiny line changes and things. 
think they were mostly using it for that. But the one thing that did stay in there was the creature voice was the, the, the one line. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I think there are plenty of times where it's like just not that noticeable and it is fully someone else. You know, I, mean, I know Nolan North does a lot of voice matching. Kiff Van Den, Van Den Hovel does a ton of voice matching. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wild. Um, okay, Sarah, moment of truth. Um, ah! Question of the week. What do you like? What do I like? Yeah. What was your favorite? Oh, right. <laughs> I was just going to think it was like chocolate. Um, no. Okay. Um, well, it's funny because like I loved the Muppets question, even though yeah. I don't feel like we filled it. Very, we didn't answer yeah, it very we well. We didn't do it justice. You're right. We didn't do it justice, but it's a great question. It is like, good. I want to hear the, it's more of the question that I want to hear other better answers for. Yeah. Than what I was able to give. Yeah. The but, comments um, can help it out. I love Muppets. I feel like Muppets, Muppets are like a joke on video games because it's just like, you know, we focus on like RTX or whatever, and then it's like, I put my hand in a sock and now you believe it's a person. You just do. <laughs> and I love them. I love puppets and I love Muppets and I think they're the best thing. So you want to yeah, give it to, to Muppets here? Yeah, I think I do. There we go. Charles there a lot Davis. Of great questions. Yeah, that's but true. I just want to hype Muppets. So I get it. So Charles Davis, we will good. ship yeah. out that uh, Battletoads vinyl. Actually, I'm a bit, Will. So thank you so much. I'm a bit. Um, and now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Mm-hmm. This is, Sarah, a little tidbit that caught our eye. Um, Jeff, um, show us how it's done. You go first, dude. Uh, well, this is a bad example, but Perfect. hey, get a load of this. Uh, this <laughs> one doesn't actually have any kind of links to go with it, and I'm going to try to dance around a spoiler for it. Oh, no. But uh, I finished the second season of The Mandalorian yeah. recently, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a there, there's a, Easy. Car- a cameo kind of yep. that mm-hmm. comes up at the end that they did a 3D version of. Yes. Um, and the get a load of this for it, though, is if you search for Mandalorian deep fake. People yeah. have been trying to outdo yeah. what Disney did, and they have just done Succeeded. an incredible job of doing it. It's it's still insane to me that you know the biggest visual effects guys working at Disney are getting outdone by like a random YouTube person who yeah. just knows how to use computers well. So if if you've seen it or if you don't care about the spoilers, then uh, you should go YouTube some of those because it's it's insane. Yeah, for sure. It, it's wild. Like, what is it about their production schedule that doesn't give them the weeks that it takes to train the deepfake? Like, that's the only thing that the only way that that explains to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh, yeah, the deepfake has to train. Time. It takes 100%. a lot of time. Yeah. Or maybe like so the deepfake like, wouldn't hold up on a big screen. Maybe they, there's something there, but not like right? Mandalorian. Yeah, gonna, I've heard that too, actually. I don't yeah. know. Maybe something there. Um, but hey, uh, get a load of this. A uh, friend of the show, Blake Hester, former guest on the show, I believe. Um, but he wrote a gigantic oral history of Guitar Hero 1 for Vice. Aww. Even though he works for uh, Game Informer now, this was in the works for a long time. So on the anniversary, the 15th anniversary of Guitar Hero 1, he published mm-hmm. this. And it's fantastic, filled with a lot of great details, like the fact that uh, apparently uh, frequent, I'm sorry, uh, harmonics back in the day, frequency is one of my favorite games of all time, but also one of my favorite harmonics games. And uh, they apparently met uh harmonics and red octane because they were discussing the idea of making a ps2 peripheral just for frequency that old music game which i'm so curious to see what they thought that would look like also Mm. just weird factoids like apparently harmonics turned down making a new ducktales game so that they could make the first guitar hero which is wild um and also the fact that the newspapers in guitar hero like your results screen and stuff like that stuff like that the entire newspaper presentation apparently kyle that came from the incredibles they were trying to think of a cheap oh, way to convey oh, all that sense. information yeah. and then saw The Incredibles in the scene where Mr. Incredible's like looking at the wall with all the newspapers and like, let's oh. just do that in Guitar Hero. And oh, nice. Lines up. So what please, a classy game. 
Yeah. Like, those games are so bursting with style in places it doesn't even need. I love them so much. Yes, they're so good. Oh. Uh, I, 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 where, where can I find that? I want to say if my friend Matt Bach, who designed the guitar controller, hasn't seen it, I want to make sure he sees it. Where's, oh, yeah. Where, where uh, advice. Yeah. Advice. Uh, Matt sure Bach, uh, talented guy. God, I'm trying to remember. He had a big part in a game that I really liked from the last year. What the hell was that? Really? Oh, yeah. Ape Out, probably. Ape Out. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Sarah, do you have a get a load of this for us? I do, and I'm so glad I'm not going last because it's a bummer. Uh-huh. Um, so, but it's a big load of this. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that sounds awful. Uh, uh-huh. Get a load of this. Um, that, uh, that because Woodrow Wilson caught the Spanish flu, if you don't know this, anybody? Yeah, because Woodrow Wilson caught the Spanish flu um, in the middle of negotiating the Treaty of Versailles at the end of World War I with like this really bullheaded French diplomat, Clemenceau, who was like big on like not giving the Germans an easy time of it um, because Woodrow Wilson got sick and like kind of lost his edge and like boinked the the negotiations. Like that is why the Treaty of Versailles was so hard on the Germans. And, you know, as we know, they suffered a depression and a backlash and a thing that led to World War II. But yeah, the, thanks, the flu. So the lesson is oh, like, Woodrow- so he was so sick and out of it that he basically yeah. kind of, oh, that is interesting. He went from being a bulldog, being like, we have to have peace and equity. We can't just punish them. We have to build a new world order that is, you know, gives whatever takes care of everyone. And then the Clemenceau was like, screw these guys. And then like when he lost, when Woodrow Wilson couldn't kind of like hold the line, there's like letters from his aides that are like, you did, you gave up on all the things we held dear. And he's like, I'm delirious. I can't see straight. Oh my God. <laughs> he's like really sick. Um, and that's why. Yeah, so slightly different world we would have if, if Woodrow Wilson hadn't just, caught the flu. Just call in sick, man. Just, right. <laughs> Come on, Woodrow. Who's your second, idiot? You're a world, you're a world leader, dum-dum. <laughs> yeah. Jeff um, was always really good at yelling at people who are sick at work, so to go home. I always appreciated that about you, Jeff. Um, yeah, so. look at this. Now, global pandemic, you were right all along, dude. We should have all That's gone right. home. Stop giving our frozen colds to each other yeah. at work. Being the expert of gone home, I thought that was Sarah's job. Da-da-bank. Hey. That's not important. <laughs> uh, we'll insert laughter later. Kyle, did you have one for us? Yeah, mine's very similar. Mm. Um, to Sarah's. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this no, is just, please uh, be something happy. Oh my god. No, it's it's actually a product that I didn't know existed. Uh, I was com- I wear I've been playing a lot of VR lately. I wear glasses. Mm. Refuse to explore the world of contacts, so I just shove my glasses inside. <laughs> and I was commiserating with my wife. I was like, you know, there's lenses inside that thing. I wish I could just buy my prescription to stick in oh. there and she googled it and found a company in two seconds that absolutely does that vr labs and you can and they're not that expensive it's like 40 bucks to get a pair of lenses that go into like your quest or your rift or whatever weird based on your prescription That's so genius. like i i am so excited <laughs> i'm gonna put my glasses inside my oculus quest and not have to shove my glasses in the headset anymore it's it's awesome. I just didn't even know it existed, and I was, yeah. I was so happy that she found that website. Oh, that's a cool idea. Um, there was that, links below. Cool, and it, it's still weird to me that you know, like being nearsighted is a is an issue in VR. Like I still I don't understand how that works. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, I I'm I'm nearsighted. I double checked recently. I was like, am I sure that I need to wear glasses? And I was like, mm. oh, yep, hundred percent. I need to wear glasses. It looks way mm. worse without my glasses. It's mm. weird. That's bizarre. Um, Jeff, did you pull one from the community in the Discord? Uh, get a load of this. This comes from the Smack, aka the Legless Eagle. I don't know when he added that one, um, but it it's a rock paper shotgun article from Nate Crawley, um, and he made the definitive size chart for Resident Evil Village's late the super tall lady. Yeah, 
and so he he has a, a one of those wonderful picture charts measuring a bunch of different people against her, including an ostrich, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. <laughs> and a, this one's a threesome, an emperor penguin, three king penguins stacked on top of each other, and Danny DeVito as the penguin holding a 40-pack <laughs> of McVitie's penguin bars. Uh, and so if you want to see how she stacks up to all those and many other characters, uh, head to the link. And wow. I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, we're here. End of the show. Uh, quick plugs for MinMax stuff. Um, you can check out uh, Anna's huge community call-in episode of MinFacts that's up in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. Um, it's a very interesting time talking to Anna about her childhood. We have people calling in, just uh, talking about their favorite Anna memories and all that stuff. And we now can announce or reveal to the podcast listeners that Anna uh, is a full-time employee at Polygon now. So hats off to Anna. Follow her on Twitter, uh, read her articles, all that stuff. And obviously she's welcome to come back whenever she likes. So hopefully we can have her on again in the near future. Um, Also, New Show Plus, our gameplay show that isn't always gameplay, but we revamped The Great Goatee Hunt. So New Show Plus, we now let people vote every single week on Patreon for what show we create. And the winner of the first week is the worst name we could possibly imagine, Raftatui. And so it was Leo Vader and I uh, playing the survival game Raft, the co-op game, uh, and that episode one mm. is up now on our YouTube channel, and it's super fun. I really love that game. And so next week, you can vote if you want us to make an episode two or if you want us to create an entirely new show, which will have three other options for you. So it's a fun way to engage the community there. Tell us what you want us to make. Sarah, what would you like to plug? Pokeball again. It's a th- it's nice. It's for charity. It's fun. I can't think of anything else to plug right now. Um, but yeah, Chocobol is this weekend. Um, every year around the big game, which we have to say like that, <laughs> um, as you know, as you may know, um, we play through an RPG. Um, we hang out. We're on. Ch- I will be there mostly Saturday with bits uh, um, of Friday night and probably Sunday to wrap up. Um, but yeah, we will play through in real time. Um, it's me and Teddy Deef and Adriel Wallach. And um, I think Erica Ishii will be hanging out in chat. Um, but there's a whole cohort of folks that come and hang out and it's really good times and a really sweet crew. Um, the charity we're supporting is the Bail Project. Again, there will be donate fund donation incentives for that. Um, and you can find it at uh, chocobol.tv. Um, so C-H-O-C-O-B-O-W-L.tv and um, at Chocobol TV on Twitter. Um, so that is where I'll be hanging out this weekend. And I hope to catch folks there. Awesome. Cool. I'll uh, put a link below for folks as well. Cool. Um, Kyle, Jeff, you got anything? No. Great. Just follow the way we like it. Well, hey. Twitter. Oh, what's that, Kyle? I said, uh, follow me on Twitter, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. You want us to say things here? Is like, follow, subscribe. <laughs> These two won't no, stop just, talking about just themselves. Follow. I don't want you to like or subscribe. Just Do not engage. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody follow, please. Kyle is uh-huh. a I'm at Sal Molly on Twitter if you care. Oh, yeah, there we go. There's a plug. Hell yeah, yeah Sarah. Hey, also yeah. thanks to all of the $50 Patreon supporters. We read their names at the end of every show. So if you want your name read and also the name in the credits of every MinMax video and podcast, you can support us on Patreon. But thank you to Chris, Beaten Down Brian, I Am 8-Bit, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Juar Hello, Mirko Rico Torino, Zachary Poliggy, Mark Zelliga, Bucket of Jello, Andrew Valla, Ludwig Roque, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hoster, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Clint Farley, Richard Smuts, Clayton Myers, Spider Dan, Prethum Yar Legata, Starkiller, Zach Eink, Slick Nick, and Steve Bamdad. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for being here, Sarah. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Absolutely. And thanks for watching and listening. Be good, have fun. Let's go, everybody. Bye.